1: Whoa! Oh. If it's movies, I- Searching any So let it-
0: Uh, that wasn't that bad, Ian. Welcome to the 100th episode of the CU Podcast. Woo! Fireworks happening around me. I'll try to edit that in alongside Ian Ferguson. Hi, I I, I feel like I
1: survived a casket match.
0: <laughs> I'm Pat Contry. Ian, once again, let living where you shouldn't be because it's a CU Podcast and we've reached 100 episodes. Thanks so much for tagging along with us. We started August 2003. Team, three and a half years, almost four. Wow, we've grown old in the tooth, as you say. It, is, it is four.
1: Yeah, almost four.
0: Shit. In this podcast, we'll be talking about Wonder Woman. We'll be talking about Coleco versus the world. We'll be talking about um, a limited edition Nintendo Switch console coming out. We'll be talking about QA, relabeling games as well. Ian, what's going on? You missed the last podcast. I missed you you 99. You couldn't miss a 100, though.
1: No, I was not going to miss 100. And to make sure I'm not going to miss 100, uh, I'm I'm high. Um, (laughs) But, you know, I had to. Uh, So, um, yeah, I missed the last podcast. The pain's been pretty bad lately but uh this is gonna be uh, a lot of fun
0: so we gotta thank john and mike of cfo's for creating that awesome new theme song yes it's
1: fantastic above and beyond a, a bit of a dream come
0: true perhaps john and mike do work for wwe at nxt which are wrestling yeah uh federations there and uh unbelievable unbelievable they're fans of the podcast it'll be out on itunes eventually there's there's a couple of versions including the instrumental which will be like the version like with the theme song comes over i mean the closing credits like when you watch the end of gi joe and they just do the the non-word version you know that's an instrumental so (laughs) yeah that's a lot of fun um yeah other than that
1: i've uh just been focusing on recovering and playing games seeing some movies did you think we'd ever make a hundred podcast episodes honestly no i
0: didn't you think it lasts like a year
1: uh well i mean originally you know we've discussed (laughs) this before I, i i didn't honestly think it would make it past just us screwing around a few times um i figured three years and then like holy shit here we are four um not because we'd get necessarily sick of it or we'd argue but we'd just get to a point where things in our life became more important but
0: what's more important than us yeah?
1: well no i i think the secret to it is that we've done it every two weeks and we've never strayed from that at least for now and uh, well here and there
0: we skipped a week because we had obligations or doubled up we'll have to double up maybe in a week and a half before i go to an event but you know for the most yeah. part like clockwork 26 a year Right. For three and a half years. And and a lot of it, I think, in terms of content creation in general, is just the how how often are you doing it and are you sticking up with it? What's the consistency look like? Right. And one of the reasons, i have to remind you why we, we even did the podcast in the f- first place was because of a certain NES guidebook. Yes, he gets it in early. Yes, he gets it in early. Remember, I wanted people to know who the hell you were when you were working on the book. That was one of the reasons why. Oh. Uh. I don't want people to be like, who the frick is Ian Ferguson? No. But, anyway, but now people know who you are. I'm not sure about that. Oh, okay. that's, <laughs> that's one of the reasons. So we already have a debate early on. That was one of the reasons. Because uh, we, we, we weren't making money off of it. for uh, <laughs> sure. But it was, it was a time when I was uh, still reeling from my awful day job, which you knew about at the yes. time, that I quit f- five years ago. And that was killing me. I remember one time you said to me, I looked like I was gray. I remember, I'll never forget that he said, "Pat, you look like you're gray, like literally, like my skin tone and how you I did. was. Like, like I was working not just a lot of hours, just very, very stressful. You had the complexion uh, of unflavored cream of wheat. <laughs> okay, <laughs> half the flavor, half the flavor, um, the, uh, none of the fun. I used to always eat cream of wheat as a kid. That's why I was chubby. Anyway, um, not the most healthy stuff in the world, but um, we 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 persevered. We got through some times. We've had some moments of." Of clarity, we've we brought some entertainment to the world. We've had people angry at us, other YouTubers at times, other other people in the video game industry. Moments where people are angry at us. I'm pretty sure people have been angry at me the whole time. Well, you you were always one to say, "Pat, they don't, you know, they're fine with you, but they like me." Nope, they don't like me either. Uh, some people, oh, that's true. <laughs> some, some, some people don't like you either. But um, uh, we'll see where where this train ride ends. But we just got a new theme. We have a new logo. Uh, While I have you all here, this will be on YouTube, 10% off uh, podcast buttons and t-shirts and a certain NES guidebook. Go to ultimatenes.com and get 10% off with code CUPODCAST. Uh,
1: Buy my buttons. I made them all with love. Actually, Vonnie made a lot of those buttons because I was really sick at the time. She made them during this time period.
0: And we're going to have a special uh, Patreon question and answer call-in. We'll do that later when that's going later. But uh, thanks, everyone, on YouTube. Also, you know, without YouTube, you guys wouldn't have uh, helped us get to where we're at because at first no one listens to a podcast. and are not where it exists. But there is a podcast you can subscribe to. Pat, why is the news so late? You guys are getting old news out there. Well, we cut this up, and we're going to do it for at least one or two more episodes. We'll see where it goes. Ian, you saw Wonder Woman. I sure as hell did. Um,. It
1: looked good uh, I was more and more convinced leading up to it First that... trailer I thought was iffy Second one was better Yeah, exactly First trailer was iffy to me Second one was better um, Reviews started to come in And I just I wasn't confident But I just really, really fucking wanted a DC movie to be good <laughs> So, Not counting the Nolan
0: ones, you mean the, yeah, the, the yeah, four no, that have come out since then. Right.
1: The the the, the DCU the DC or
0: DCEU, uh, whatever the hell they call it. Yeah. yeah.
1: Um so when it started to get some good buzz, I was like, okay, fuck it. I'm all in. It's hard for me to see movies uh because of the, the sitting for a long period of time thing, but there's a really nice movie theater around here called uh The Lot and it like they have very cushy recliners they will serve you drinks in calamari and that is uh, great
0: yeah you you can get fat and fall asleep very easily there yeah. it's fantastic yeah yeah you have to you I have
1: mean, to find the the appropriate angle uh, um in between of food drink and movie viewing and, and also angle yeah, you, get, an you don't angle. want to get
0: beyond like like 67 degrees otherwise you will just fall asleep you'll just pass out yeah.
1: um so I went and saw Wonder Woman and I've been in a very big DC mood Wonder lately. Woman. I've been catching up on some actual DC comics. Um I've but, been playing Injustice 2. Well you hate DC. Yeah, I know. Yeah, I've, I've always hated DC. <laughs> I, I mean, I've stated so many times that my, my comic book poll is at least 50-50 Marvel. And in the past, you know, three years, as everyone's been claiming I'm a DC hater, um, oftentimes it's been more DC. Um, but I'm playing Injustice 2. So I've been in a DC mood, and I was real pumped to go see it. And um, it really didn't let me down. Uh, I hate a number scale, but if you really want a number from me... Eight point five or nine out of ten. Out of ten, not thirty. Okay. Uh, yeah, <laughs> there, there was um, there are some issues, but um, some. I mean, the good outweighs the bad. So I'm going to keep it pretty spoiler free because it's new, and I really want people to kind of go in fresh and experience the the good of this movie. Um, mild as, spoilers, as much yeah, as the can. This is going to be some mild spoilers.
0: Okay, I'm trying to position my Pac-Man here.
1: Yep, that's a ghost actually.
0: Oh, it's a ghost. pac Man's next to it. Okay. Okay. Um,
1: <laughs> it it starts off with what I think is not exactly the weakest segment, but it it starts off with a bit of a Wonder Woman origin story, and luckily they they blow through it. I mean, I I think if any character right now could use a brief origin story, it's Wonder Woman. Not a lot of people know
0: her yeah right A- Amazonian half God that's basically what most people kind of know right
1: right so they go through the island of uh I can never pronounce it right uh, Th- Thermesia, thermacia thermacia and they they kind of explain her youth and that she wants to fight and um you know, Pultena doesn't, you know, her mother doesn't want her to. They explain how she's made out of clay, etc. And Zeus, you know, kind of imbibes her with the power.
0: So they kept all that mythology stuff here. Yeah, they, they kept didn't shy away from No, it. Okay. which is cool, because I love mythology.
1: Um, you know, dude crash lands. Dude. Uh, Chris Pine. Yeah, Steve, yeah. Steve, right? Yeah, Chris, Steve. Chris Pine. Uh, crash lands um, in the water. He's a spy. She rescues him. Um, it causes the Germans to break through the wall that kind of keeps Thermosia um, hidden from everything, and uh, there's an attack, kills a lot of the Amazons. She decides she's going to go uh, with him fight and, the Germans and, and fight the Germans. Now keep in mind
0: this is World War One. They switched it from the comic, which was World, World War Two.
1: I actually think the World War One angle made it very interesting um because it didn't default to nazis and um hitler as enemies what it did was is it, it 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 generalized the enemy is ares the god of war which made it more comic booky and more interesting to me because it's a general enemy that she's fighting against she's trying to grasp the concept of war as a whole okay As opposed to war as an idea, as a god. Okay. Which is very interesting. When they first land, she wants to go find war. She doesn't realize that war is this global,
0: worldwide thing. So she's naive to the rest of the world, what's going on. Yes, but
1: but in interesting ways, she's not she's not daft she's, she's got smarts she just doesn't oh, yeah. that's what being naive isn't is, necessarily mean you're stupid right. you just don't know she just doesn't know yeah. but she's not the she's not like I said she's not dumb so there's a lot of let's get this out of the way first if you think this is going to be a very depressing DC movie um, like the previous ones have been gray no colors no humor it's not there is a lot of good color especially in the beginning Thermosy is bright. It's beautiful. It's gorgeous. Um, there is a lot of levity that does not feel shoehorned in. The comedy um, is fantastic. Uh, when she's like just getting used to doors and people holding them open for, or experiences ice cream for the first time, mm. it's it's adorable. But it's not like. I don't know it it's not exactly played for laughs. It's kind of a very subtle humor and it's a humor that I like a lot.
0: Almost like when Captain America was trying to get reacclimated re- in Winter Soldier. Yeah, yeah, where yeah. It's like okay, it's natural to the character. It,
1: it is. It's, it's very natural and it it doesn't um um come across as like I said forced in or 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 overdone. Um the character of Wonder Woman is uh look I think it's it's great that we're doing this on the hundredth episode, um, and i I have
0: no problem doubling back. I trashed Gal Godot when she was announced Gadot? Godot. Godot. Uh, yeah, i wasn't I wasn't happy with just the fact that her build was so slight. That was just my problem. Was Wonder Woman's build is bigger. That's one of my problems. I don't give a fuck about build
1: anymore. I mean, she okay. put on some muscle. She fucking plays the character.
0: fucking spot on. As you expected. She is so good. I I honestly... No, you didn't see Batman v. Superman. You didn't see her in that, did you? No, I didn't. But I heard she was very good
1: in that. I heard she was one of the better...
0: Well, I I watched the last hour, which was all the CG fighting and then fighting Doomsday. So she was in there a little bit. She shows up. I heard she
1: added a little bit of brightness that the movie needed,
0: just not enough. Well, I gotta go back and we just watch the first two hours. How long is that freaking movie? Anyway. By the way, everyone, on our very first episode, we discussed... The casting of Ben Affleck as Batman in August 2013. And that movie didn't come out for three years after that, which is yeah. kind of weird that it took that long to come out, but anyway. So it's good that this is the fourth DCEU movie. They're one for four now. It's gotten great reviews. Yeah. And it's made a lot of money. So They already announced a sequel.
1: Oh, good. So, to dive in a little bit more. Um, so, they go into the war and I really have to um, compliment the writing for the band of brothers motley crew whatever you want to call it
0: that they assemble there's, a, to... there's, a, there's their own howling commandos team so to speak yes okay. and they are absolutely lovable all and military people or
1: a mix of all, all... We, well it's it's the World War one band it's people who are leaving their their lives to go fight. These okay. are not people who are particularly trained. It's it's World War 1. And 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 they're going in because they they want to fight and they have these roles but that does not mean that they are particularly good at them. Sure. And they're lovable for all of their flaws. Um Now, keep in mind that this is right near armistice. This is right near the end of the war. But the Germans feel like they have found a chemical weapon that can help them win okay um so that's kind of the premise of the movie is they're trying to stop that and the Germans are trying to stop armistice so that they can get one more battle in and change the tide of the war and avoid armistice and avoid surrendering so anyways the movie's great um i'll get into the the wonder woman character on a more important level in a, in a second 93% around tomatoes the average rating 7.6 out of 10 um but, um, my my, my my biggest flaws with the movie are that, um, there is, I'm just not heavy on, I'm just not big on super heavy CGI. Um, it's kind of unavoidable, obviously, in a superhero movie. It's just, it's always my biggest flaw with a superhero movie. They do avoid a lot of, like... Overt special effects CGI to a degree. Okay. So, like, the, so we're talking real sets still
0: for the most part?
1: Uh oh. I think Uh-oh. so, yes. Seems, okay. I think so. I mean, not Thermosia. It, it's beautiful, sure. but it's it's not.
0: Well, if we're talking World War One battles and woods and forests, yeah, yes, there is a lot uh, of that. They're actually there. There is a lot of or that. in towns that are yes. made up to like they're old mm-hmm. from the 19 teens. Okay. Correct.
1: But the end battle is a lot of, uh, is a lot of, um, you know, CG, but I still enjoyed it. Um, They use a lot of slow mo shots. Okay, some of them to good effect. A lot of them in the beginning battle on the beach at Thermosia, which is fine because they're Amazons and they're doing all sorts of cool flippy shit and firing their arrows and three hundred stuff. It is. It is a lot of kind of three hundred stuff, but without that horrible like. Sheen, that painting that great sort yeah. of look. There is... Well, there is a really cool scene where they do the, the painting stuff, where they're trying to kind of explain how the Amazons and the humans came to be. Okay. But it literally looks like paintings. Okay. They're telling it as a story, but there's actual... You can tell so it's actual humans. it's not... Human.
0: It's not too stylized. It still looks... It, really it's stylized true. for
1: that part, but... Okay. but, but by You know, by about halfway through, you're like, okay, I, I've seen most of the slow-mo shit that I need to see. So my biggest gripes with it are, are kind of, you know, my biggest gripes with most superhero movies, uh, an overuse of CG. Um, but to talk about the character of Wonder Woman, um, she is a great feminist character, but it's not a rah-rah... Fuck all men type of character that I think so many people without seeing the movie may have automatically dim- dismissed it as such.
0: You think that, or they were dismissing what people were interpreting the movie coming out as being that?
1: That's what I'm saying. I, I because
0: think... I never, as someone who has going back to the Linda Carter one, when we used to watch that when I was a kid, and you know, going up to the cartoons, I I don't my my interpretation that everyone just liked Wonder Woman. We never; it was never to me associated with anything else. We just liked well. The in this
1: day and age, I think it's unavoidable that people are going to just they're going to use it for they're going
0: to use it for their their own their own goal, their, one way yes, or the other. Exactly, okay.
1: sure. and I think that's 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 the issue. I think it's unfortunate. Um, and, and but she uh. is very strong, but it, it but she does fall in love. Um, but Not she forbid. but 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 yeah, but she is very strong. She tells plenty. of dudes to fuck off, and you're not gonna tell me what to do, and this and that. There's a really fun, like, scene where she's, like, trying to find period-appropriate clothes, and she's like, this is what, you know, and this is, is what, what she's still trying to out. figure it out. She's like, this is armor? Mm-hmm. And, you know, and it, you know, it's it's cute. They, she plays the character so, you know, the, the, the feminine power character so realistically, and so well, that it, never once did I feel like it was shoehorned in and because of that, I think it makes the character uh, a well, female power icon that much more effectively.
0: Because it wasn't pandering. It just it, it wasn't was, pandering at all. It was on a, she was just what she was. The biggest parallel, without seeing it, the biggest quote-unquote girl power moment I've ever witnessed in a movie theater, without it, without it, with it being organic, was Return of the King with Eowyn's character. In the oh, fi- that was good, yeah. In the final battle, Eowyn's there. She's the niece... Uh, of the the king, right? Uh, and I always forget the wins and who's which one. But anyway, the king, who's leading the charge, gets fucked up in battle by the ring wraith. So Eowyn comes in, and with a little bit of help from uh, I think it was uh, Mary, ends up defeating the ring wraith in a really good ba- short battle. But at the end of it. Uh, the ring goes. You know what sort of man are you? And she goes, "I am no man," and stabs him. Right. And then, I remember at the time, this was two thousand three. You can hear the women go nuts. They're like, "Woo!" Because it would, but it, but it wasn't force fed. It was just in the moment. Well, it this happened. is kind of an and,
1: entire movie full of that, but it's, it's
0: never force fed. Sure, it was a natural development. The same with Eowyn. Eowyn was a character going back to Lord of the Rings where they wouldn't let her fight, and she wanted to fight. Right, and then she she snuck in. She got her. She disguised. And then she ends up fighting, and she ends up avenging her 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 uncle. And I guess ends up helping lead the kingdom going forward. I don't know my my Tolkien, but I think that's what happened. But but the whole point is that it, it was allowed the breathing to happen, and you just witnessed it naturally. So what I think you're you're saying as well.
1: It felt like a very natural movie, and it was obvious that they wanted to show. Um... A, a powerful woman, but never... W- it it and, was just such a good example and I, and I think, of how to do... I think we
0: have to be careful, even even on the pro-feminist side of... Sometimes I think it goes overboard in not wanting their female characters to project any sort of weakness or show any sort of weakness. But weakness is a part of any character, male or female, and a well-rounded character. Sure. And, and every, uh, the best characters are flawed. It doesn't matter which ones they are. You know, like, uh, I loved... Uh, what was the one? Was the one Agent, Agent Carter. I fucking loved that show. It was unfortunate I didn't get a third season. That was a fantastic female character. Uh, strong character. Uh, smart. Kicked ass. Gorgeous. Uh, but also made a couple mistakes. And yeah, and cried once or twice when bad shit happened. Yeah. And that's what people are. And that was Wonder Woman. You know what I mean? Like, that's just how we are. She makes some some
1: rash decisions. But yeah. I, I'm not going to spoil it. I mean, if, if you want levity in a DC movie... There's plenty of it. And if you want warmth in a DC movie, there is one scene in the center and I'm not going to ruin it for anyone except for the fact to say it's when the snow falls and someone's playing piano and it's after an action scene and I saw it. And after the movie, I was like, that's kind of the heart of the movie. It brings everything together and it makes it feel real. It's not just gritty. There's emotion all around, and it makes you feel closer to all the characters. And it really kind of makes the movie work, not only as a superhero hero movie, but a war movie.
0: So so looking... that's what I've got to say about it. And then this is good joe Going forward to get to the Justice League movie in the fall.
1: Well, because that's how it starts. It's her in the present time, and Mine she... spoiler. Well, no, that's <laughs> not... I mean, it literally starts that way. Okay. It, it's her in the present time, and she gets a picture from back then from Bruce Wayne, okay. and goes, I found the original. I thought you'd like to see it. Memories. And then the entire movie's a flashback to then.
0: Like the ones we used to know. But that's
1: literally the first five minutes, so that's, you that's not a spoiler.
0: Memories. This is where I'll put an image of us by my bed for the first episode. That didn't happen in the first episode, but we recorded by the bed. The way we were. All right, let's move on. Ian, this episode, the 100th episode of the Studio Podcast, is brought to you. And us, and them. Brought to everyone by ThinkGeek. Yay! So ThinkGeek, uh, they have a couple of new Legend of Zelda products. I didn't know until recently that ThinkGeek was even, like, doing Nintendo officially licensed products. I had no idea. But they're doing a lot of stuff. So then I got the Breath of the Wild Chica Slate sketchbook. Go to thepunkeffect.com slash thinkgeek and you'll be able to see it. Um, it looks just like Link's Chica Slate uh, perforated edges. It's 100 pages. You can scribble and do notes whatever.
1: I think this is actually really cool just because um, it looks like it It fits in your pocket. It's uh, a cool sketchbook, notebook, whatever. My, actually, my wife, Bonnie, really <laughs> wants one. Um, but It's neat because of the theme, and because of the look. It looks like the slate from the game. Yeah, I just think it fits very well with what it is.
0: has the handle. Uh Uh-huh. It looks just like from the game. I think people will be using this for cosplay, probably, as their own Sheikah slate. You could
1: use this cosplay, but I also think it would be because... It's Zelda-themed. It made me think this would be great for video game notes, puzzle solving, oh, stuff like that. That makes sense. Keep it by your Create side. maps and stuff? Keep it by your side when you're playing. Create maps. Take notes. Um, throw a couple sketches in there when you're bored. I mean, it, it, it's... It's got a rubber I, I, grip. I, I've, I've never felt that theming would make something so interesting but I think the Sheikah Slate idea around this sketch pad makes it very cool.
0: Then they also have the Breath of the Wild shield backpack which looks just like you can wear it like a shield. It's circular. Um, there's a picture of the guy cosplaying with it on the front. It looks like a shield. Like I guess you have to actually open it up to see that it's a backpack. So it's a pretty pretty neat design. I wouldn't recommend surfing on it though. Um, <laughs> but it's, mass, it's modeled after the in-game Traveler's uh, shield, which is one of the common uh, shields you find in the game. So check it out. Go to, I
1: believe our ghost is Think Geek as well.
0: Or, or the ghost is Think Geek. So so help them out there. Check out Think Geek. Excuse me. Check out thepunkeffect dot slash Think Geek. That'll redirect to their site, and you can check out the Sheikah Slate Sketchbook, and then click, and you'll be able to find that good old backpack as well. Ian, you missed the last podcast. Oh, we're diving right into this one. I I think we have to. Um,
1: Let's (sighs) let's keep in mind that certain things... (laughs) Let's stay focused.
0: (laughs) Well, there's a couple of things. We'll we'll get there. So the last podcast, did you listen to me talking about the rift growing between Coleco Holdings LLC and the community?
1: Yeah, I did. I, as a matter of fact, community? I went over it again today while heating my ebbs um, in the morning just sure. to make sure I was fresh on and, that. And
0: what's your, what's your TLDR of the situation?
1: Um, I think it's fucking stupid to destroy your fan base. By attacking a fan page that is doing nothing but promoting the homebrew scene and is not using your trademark. Now, okay, sure. Um... I love homebrewers. (sighs) Okay, if you have the trademark and they're using the trademark and you don't want to associate it with people who are making, uh, you know, for the most part, unlicensed reproductions of actual arcade games, fine. But actively trying to take down a fan page, which is the only fucking thing that is keeping your brand going. On the internet, for the most part. Yeah, on the internet. And, I mean, honestly, what is your what is Coleco going to fucking sell in this modern day and age, you stooges? Um, you're, you're only shooting yourself in the foot. So that's my TLDR. Don't go after the fucking people who are going to give you money, potentially.
0: Well, <sighs> if there's a theme on this podcast whenever we cover something controversial, say a really re- weird retro you know, console yeah. that we, we rail against and then people come after us. They come after us like we're the ones We're a bad guy. We're the bad guys talking about it. Drunks that's that could have been an accusation in a pass on a podcast. Maybe. But Coleco Holdings, which is really Chris Cardillo, who's the person I met I've seen him in person. I that's spoke a- to him.
1: I believe we absolved that person of a lot of oh, sins. We,
0: I, in person, I absolved him, and we both did of Coleco Holdings having anything, any knowledge of the Coleco Chameleon being a scam. Mm-hmm. We both said, I said to him in person at Game 1 Expo, to, I said, Chris, you know, I don't think you had anything to do with that. I thought you had no knowledge. And I, like I said in the podcast, he just didn't uh, say yes or no. He just sort of looked through me, which I thought was interesting. Didn't think that much of it. I thought maybe he was just embarrassed about the situation. And I gave him the benefit of the doubt. But uh, he went at me in the comments. Of that video. That's cute. W- with some interesting, interesting sort of angle. For example, um, saying that, well Pat, uh, th- having the, you can look at the comments yourselves, they're still there. Uh, one, of it, one of his arguments was Pat, this would be the same as someone uh, p- pirating your book and selling it on a Facebook fan page. And I said, well, n- Chris no. do you own, the difference is I created a, a book. I created the book. Right. I said, Chris, do you own the copyright to any of these games in question? does Coleco and of course he said well no it has nothing to do with that well then it's not the same situation yeah it's not Coleco Holdings owns a trademark of Coleco and ColecoVision not the games not the games not the ones produced they hold no authority over what can be produced on any ColecoVision system past or present the patents are gone it'd be like Nintendo trying to dictate what homebrew games can be developed they cannot
1: it's funny because, you know, people always uh, accuse Nintendo of being extra harsh when going after these things, um, but they don't even go after, like, the homebrew market as long as they're not using Nintendo assets. They yeah, just...
0: because they have no right to. They, they know have that. no right to. It doesn't make any sense.
1: Yeah, you know, here's some fucker.
0: Anyways, <laughs> oh, but then he, he then said, well, Pat, you are wrongly using the Nintendo trademark on a certain NES guidebook that um, I pointed out to Chris, as with copyright, there is fair use when it comes to trademark. You look at any a lot of books out there uh, you look at uh you know coca cola merchandise books uh, you look at um like old antiques, antique books showing off. You know, maybe an old sign of a trademark that still exists. If it's describing the book, you're okay for the most part.
1: Uh, Unofficial, I mean, they used to be huge in the 90s. Unofficial band biographies and stuff like that. Sure. Always put the band logo in the same typeface and stuff on the front. Because you
0: understand that's what you're describing. Describing. So you're not misrepresenting the brand that exists. It's just that's what your book is about. So it's interesting that Chris pointed that out to me what Coleco Holdings doesn't own are the trademarks to Donkey Kong, Kong, Frogger, Frogger, and Cabbage Patch Kids. And you know what? That's what's being used on the logo for the Coleco Expo coming up in New Jersey. <gasps> oh my god. Sounds like someone's a big fucking pile of hypocritical shit. Well, here's the point, Chris, is that if you're going to come after me, don't do the shit you're accusing me of, which you know isn't is incorrect anyway. I'm not saying you are wrong for using... The Cabbage Patch Kid Frogger uh, images of Kong on your logo. I don't have a problem with that, because you, cause I understand it's fair use. Just don't attack other people for doing the same thing um, when... <laughs> Never mind, you're a dumbass. Um, that That's the problem. When uh, when you are backed into a corner based upon bad decisions, like, for example, entrusting... Uh, an. an a guy that has no experience creating a video game system with the keys to your brand and seeing it fucking explode in your place. You should be happy that you still have a fucking job and that your, your brand still exists. So when a second bad decision comes up, like attacking, not just the home uh, community, but attacking someone, just giving their opinion on the news that 99% of the people agree with, you dig yourself deeper. But it looks like there was other stuff going on behind the scenes in terms of Coleco Holdings slash Chris and what he was doing. Yeah. Which has brought to my attention and the attention of others on our favorite website, our real favorite website.
1: How many sandwiches do I owe at this point? I think I'm going to go
0: bankrupt. Atari H. They are super sluice, as we've known before with the Coleco Chameleon. We we really do defer. I mean, we we are just Atari. We're Atari Age mouthpieces at this point. Yeah. I'm gay for Atari Age. I can say that. that. Should be a T-shirt. Anyway, so this is these are the things they've done. I'd make out with all of them. <laughs> Besides the DMCA, DMCA takedown notices, which, by the way, is Digital William Copyright Act, doing it for what they call trademark infringement Run on DMCA. images. That that's questionable in itself. Um, they threatened Atari Age to delete the threads that. Chris was posting it. This is all Chris doing this, and maybe at one or two helpers. Where do you get the balls, by the way, (laughs) to threaten to take some sort of uh, vague action if the people at Atari Age were not deleting that thread? But also, I think they also wanted the Cleco chameleon one deleted as well, Um, to just to expunge all record of uh, Cleco looking like garbage to the community. Because they are breaking the guidelines, so you're breaking your guidelines coming after us and bullying us, so we want you to delete your threats. Sounds fairly
1: authoritarian.
0: It's authoritarian, but it's also very ballsy to try to play victim after you're attacking a community. Mm -hmm. The one that is keeping your brand alive. In order for your uh, trademark to be worth anything other than garbage in the first place. You are attacking the only hope
1: you have of making money off of this trademark you acquired.
0: Yes, which is interesting to me. So there was deadlines given. I mean, I've seen uh you know uh just just summaries of this stuff, you know, and it's just like wow, that's unbelievable uh that this stuff would be happening. Character assassination against people on Atari age, news of character assassination. I mean, trying to assassinate my character and I'm just a messenger, Chris. Um being in business, this is just the, the short characters. version. Being, being in business with people that are just uh, persona non grata on Atari H for just doing awful and scummy business dealings and, and being in business with people like that. Um,
1: no, not just business dealings.
0: Um, trying to edit the Coleco Industries, the real Coleco. Trying to edit the real Coleco Industries uh, Wikipedia page to make it look like they never really went out of business and that some uh, company in Riverwest didn't just get a zombie trademark and bring it back. Trying to make it look like th- that Coleco Holdings, the brand is the same as Coleco Industries, the actual Coleco, you know, the one actually created shit in the 80s. Uh, by
1: the way, we'll get, we'll get to that later, but, I mean, there's a that, very easy trail to show that that's
0: total bullshit. Well, of course, but Wikipedia, it's easy to see. If you go to Wikipedia, you can see who tried to edit the pages, yeah. for example. So they try to do that. Creating a new ColecoVision Nation Facebook page to rival the ColecoVision fan page, the one they attacked. To, like, like, that's going to fucking work. Like, that's going to work. Can we stop creating, like, Facebook
1: pages that are, like, something-something Nation, by the way? Oh, I didn't even think about that angle. I mean, that's...
0: See your podcast Nation? Come yeah, I
1: mean, way to go with being creative.
0: But the whole point is that after attacking that community, you think those people are going to then go to this secondary page? That you're created, to try to make the first one look bad. Do you think they, they're going to go to because, your invention? Because you can then, because then, you, then you can control the narrative there. So we get to more. Um, going back to the GI Joe stuff, <laughs> Chris Cardillo is a pretty the guy who's basically doing all this bad shit. Um, he sells on eBay. This isn't a Scumbag Sell Over the Week segment, even. No. But people looked into into it. It deserves more. But on eBay, he was not just selling, and he's a self-acclaimed, he's got a huge G.I. Joe uh, uh, collection. I'm a big G.I. Joe fan. I have some G.I. Joe toys in my garage. I've seen them in the swap meet. They're pretty good. But it's one thing to sell. (laughs) They're pretty good. It's one thing to sell authentic G.I. Joes that Hasbro produce. Mm -hmm. It's another thing to sell counterfeit bootleg G.I. Joes. Recasted. Recasted from molds. from molds that Hasbro owns the rights to. So, and this is all in the Atari Age thread. So once that was pointed out, the massive hypocrisy—not just about uh, you're, you're complaining about trademark infringement elsewhere uh, that really is an infringement, even though you're doing it—but to sell counterfeit goods on your page there of the Steel Brigade G.I. Joe line. Remember the one that you mailed away for? Uh, I want to say it was probably like nineteen eighty eight where um you would fill out the file card like what you want your custom figure to do. You name it yourself. Oh, yes, yes. That's the one with the helmet. It was basically like the barbecue yeah. uh, style helmet or something like that. And then, you know, so you couldn't see the head with just the helmet. There was a bunch of bootlegs on there that he was selling. Once it was found on Atari, Age it looks like um all the listings were closed up, or he fire-sailed them for like half the price.
1: Yeah, I, that, that I saw. He like so, the, the, the the price so, was dropped considerably. So why
0: do that if you if you were doing nothing wrong? I wonder. Why try to make any record of that disappear off the internet? That's kind of strange. That is weird. You know. Uh, then the, and then uh, he went on to Atari just to just an opinion, but it's that's kind of strange it, to me. It looks In my opinion it's strange. But then he went on to Atari to try to justify that, saying that well Hasbro has has no problem. They've come out and said that. Custom figures are okay. In my opinion, after speaking to a prominent person in the toy collector community, and I asked him, what exactly is the definition of a custom Custom, figure? A modified original figure. A custom figure, yes, would be a modified, listen here, a modified original figure that was bought from the company that produced it. You know, you can paint them, you can take different parts off of them, what is not a custom is a bootleg a counterfeit figure. reproduction that's not authorized by the original producer, that you do not have the rights then to do that. And talking to this person in the toy community, he said that even if companies are aware of it, like Hasbro, it's usually, even within the toy community, it's understood that if you do what's called a recast, you sell 20 figures at a convention, and like it's like, yeah, I know it's kind of wrong to do that, but whatever. It's another thing to sell them on eBay, publicly, right. which one of the reasons probably why these auctions were all gone after this was pointed out. Um, at the same time, also, he was trying to sell the Coleco brochure from the 2016 toy fair that featured the Clicko Chameleon. Not sure you, why you'd want any reminder at all with your brand that that disaster well,
1: happened. Well, I mean, wasn't he trying to kind of, like, muddy or remove mentions of the Coleco Chameleon from... Oh, oh from the Clicko brand's Wikipedia page. Yeah. That's right. Right, so... I mean, this person's just trying to capitalize on everything. We need to, what? Okay, so we're going to remove it from this Wikipedia entry to make ourselves look better in a market that doesn't give a shit about us anymore because we've trashed our fan base. Uh, But on the other hand, uh, let's capitalize on our biggest embarrassment.
0: Yeah, true. By the way, speaking of trademark, I'm sure some of the recast... um Molds probably had the hasbro trademark somewhere on the body of those figures so which at the, she of course owns so at the, so at the same time it's it, it's it's uh it's it's infringement on on the mold uh and then also the trademark being on there at the same time it's a double whammy and that's a trademark infringement that actually to me exists if you're making reproduction figures and you have the company on there that are bootleg that's wrong so just a lot of hypocrisy a lot of bad decisions uh, going on at the same I wonder same what the time. mental
1: spaghetti is going to be necessary to do to uh, kind of, you know, counter these.
0: I don't know. I have no idea. But it's just uh, it's a, a shame that before we get on to the next topic, and I've seen this before, it's just another case of people outside of of the video game community, especially the retro game community, trying to capitalize on it. And fuck us in the ear Because they don't give a shit. They weren't originally playing ColecoVision games, you know, but they say, oh, here's this trademark that's not worth anything, or worth very little, let's try to build it up again and capitalize it without doing any of the fucking work that the original company did in order to make it fuzzy in our memories and our nostalgic belly. You know, not doing the work to uh, produce a, a console or or produce a, a Cabbage Patch kids, kids, you know, or to do the handhelds, but people still remember them. So let's just tap into that. And unfortunately... Uh, the pattern I see is guys from a, t- a toy background seeing how they've already capitalized in the toy market coming into video games. And I spoke about that before, people getting into graded video games or selling video games in general. A lot of those guys or a portion, portion of them have come from toys.
1: And I think the problem is is Coleco is particularly ripe for that. Well, not anymore. But Coleco is particularly ripe for that because they did go into toys. They weren't just video games. They did go into... I mean, they a lot of it was games, but they did do the Cabbage Patch Kids. Mm-hmm. They did do um, the mini arcades, which sure. at that point isn't... I mean, that you buy those from toy stores. They're standalone. So it bleeds the line, I think, for those people, and they see something that they think they can capitalize on.
0: So just a reminder, then, when you see Coleco in the future, you, you have to... Displace the memories and recognize that what you thought of Coleco in the 80s which I mean Coleco's
1: like my favorite and I think it's yours but it's my favorite pre-NES ColecoVision
0: system. was yeah. my favorite pre-NES yeah. system that's dead and gone and ain't coming back any game coming out in the future uh, and this all comes down to trying to control what products are, are coming out for ColecoVision. That's what this all comes down to. Yes. They're, they want to be able to control what has that official Rainbow Coleco and ColecoVision logo on it with their quote unquote stamp of approval, like, like Nintendo tried to do, try to license games. The problem it is. Means,
1: it means so much. The
0: problem is, there's no legal standing to have licensed ColecoVision games because anyone can make them legally. As long as it's an IP that, that doesn't exist already, right. and you're not infringing on a trademark, I sure can create that. any game I want. If I go up to say, I don't know, a, a random person out there, Danny Sullivan, hey Danny, I want to do Danny Sullivan's Indie Heat on ColecoVision. As long as I said, yeah Pat, you can use my name, I can create
1: that game. I want to make Danny Sullivan makes breakfast for the ColecoVision.
0: Uh, that, that, we'll, we'll talk to Danny. We have, a, you know, we have an in. We, we have an in with Danny. We pretend we have an in. with Danny. We, we, have, we, don't, yeah. we don't have an in with Danny. But at the end of the day, that's what it comes down to. So, not that the Coleco brand is dead and gone forever, but it's dead and gone in the current hands. Yeah. Because there isn't coming back from this. And then I also saw, I think, posted today attacking the, uh, the person that owns Atari Age, saying, like, how could you do this? And then referencing. It's always good when you get to the point where you reference a Martin Luther King quote in order to defend yourself because you think you're being bullied.
1: Uh, by the way, I will defend Albert um, to the death.
0: Oh, on, on a, a hard age? Yeah. Sure. Oh, yeah. The owner?
1: Yeah. Yeah, yeah I'll take a bullet for Albert. <laughs> And uh, so that's what we're gonna. I-, I owe Albert
0: five sandwiches and a bullet. <laughs> it's too much sandwiches at this point. Yeah, it's too much sandwiches.
1: I'm gonna have to just rent Chris's liquor and deli for a day just to make all the sandwiches. That I I need to make.
0: You know what? Maybe we'll do we'll have a big Atari Age party.
1: A big Atari Atari Age con, San Diego, 2018 Sandwich Festival.
0: 90 minute free sandwiches. Get on and eating, work in, working the line. We're, we're doing the cutter. We're doing the cutter. Hey, what do you want? You want the pursuit? All right, yeah, I got yeah, the, the, pr- the pursuit. The All right, there we go. <laughs> Fun times, uh, which brings us to this is interesting. It's always a dangerous sort of game. It's a deadly game when you get into attacking uh, the people that are in the right and are really care about the community because they'll start to dig and dig they do, and they'll start to look into stuff. So we're going to get into the weeds a little bit, and I'm not a, a, a trademark lawyer, and what I'm saying is all my opinion... And I'm not a smart person. It's all well, my I mean, opinion. not when it comes to trademarks. It's all my opinion, right? About all the stuff I'm about to say. But there was some digging into um, trademarks. Because this all comes down to trademark and Bringing back dead trademarks, uh, Riverwest, bringing back uh, the dead Coleco and ColecoVision trademarks, creating a shell company called Coleco Holdings LLC in order to try to legitimize it as an actual business that creates stuff when they don't create jack shit. They just license off, uh, to the flashback was just a license to use, uh, the logo. And then they had the first project, uh, the first ones were like 2005. They brought back the head to head handhelds. A company produced those. I forget the company off the top of my head. But then they had another company do the uh, Coleco Sonic.
1: Yeah, Vani has a couple of those. Maybe they're, you talk about that real quick. Yeah, they're they're. Um, I actually just saw them again for the first time the other day when we were uh, organizing our library. They're little Genesis controllers, and uh, they have Sonic the Hedgehog games in them. They're just like the Namco plug-in. They're Genesis games, right? Yeah, they, yeah, they're the Genesis games, and I think they they did uh, one of the earliest. Um, uh, pure Genesis handhelds too with a cartridge slot. I could be wrong on that. But like I said, Vonnie definitely has some of the Sonic the Hedgehog. Dirt. She has two of them. Two separate ones. I think one is called like Mega Drive Sonic and one is called like Sonic Gold
0: or something like that. Sure. So you can make the argument that even if they're licensed, back in what was that, 2005 or so, the Coleco trademark was being utilized. And so you can say that at that point, Riverwest slash Calico Holdings LLC had a proper right to it. Since when you bring back a dead trademark, not just anyone can do it. You have to show that you are using it either for your business or right. for a product. There are things, uh, for example, called statement of use. How am I using it in the marketplace or for my business? Am I putting it even on, am I putting it on my business? Am I putting it on a t-shirt? Am I putting it on my business card? Am I putting it on a product? How am I using it? Otherwise, anyone can file any trademark they want and have it be meaningless because unless you're using it, you can't just own all these trademarks. It would be nuts. You
1: have to have a product. The trademark is to denote a a product or a line of products so people know where they're coming from. If you're not using it on anything, it's meaningless.
0: So that's for Coleco. And you can say, okay, Coleco, there's some uh, projects being licensed for it going all the way back to 2005. That makes sense. ColecoVision, however, is a different trademark. Right. Entirely. And this is all public. You go to the US Patent Trademark Office, you can search for ColecoVision. you click on the live the live trademark, you click on um, what is it? TSDR, you click on documents. Everything is public with trademarks. Everything is public. you see when they're first uh, when they're first applied in this case December 2003. Uh, It was applied for. Suspension letters. Mm. um, Notice of allowances. Extension approval. Extension approval. So for the first, it looks like, three to four years, every six months, every, looks like, January and July, there was extension of time to file. All right? To file the SOU, which is Statement of Use. Basically, how are you using this trademark? Right. Because the government isn't going to give you a registration of the trademark unless they realize you're actually using the fucking thing. Right? exactly. Otherwise, I can apply for a trademark. For, like, a thousand different words. And if I'm not using them, why should I have the rights to use them? Exactly. So this actually makes sense from a government standpoint. The problem is there was nothing with ColecoVision on it. Nope. You had the Coleco handhelds. You had the ColecoSonic. Um, nothing with ColecoVision. There was no ColecoVision products that we knew of until a couple of years ago with the ColecoVision flashback. Yes. And then some sort of, well, that's Coleco. Anyway, but um, this is, gets interesting. So you know that guy named Ben Heck.
1: No, I've never heard of him. I've, I, I I, mean, I haven't certainly been following him since the early 2000s, because I've definitely never found his shit desirable, or I've never, ever wanted to own any of it.
0: Okay, well, he, he's being very, very, very sarcastic, which is, uh, if you're not familiar with the podcast, he does that from time to time. So, uh, no,
1: I really like Ben Heck. I, I've wanted all of his projects since he started
0: doing them. Ben Heck's one of the biggest uh, custom c- console guys out there. I'm a there.
1: fanboy. That's why Pet won't let
0: me, you know, I got... That's why Pat interviewed him, not me. Oh, no, I, I, <laughs> yeah. interviewed, I, I interviewed him on the Not So Common podcast. But we won't get. I have a second podcast anyway. We won't get. We we'll get, won't we'll get sidetracked. So Ben, back in 2005, December 31st to be exact, posted on his website that he had created a portable handheld ColecoVision. It was really cool. He had the controller, uh, joystick, the nice circular ColecoVision joystick. We all know the buttons. Ben, I love you. Now we're getting scary. And I even put the little keypad on the bottom. Yeah. Okay? You following? Yeah. This was December 31st, 2005. At this point, there's no trademark that is registered with ClickAVision. It's still being applied for, has not been approved. Mm -hmm. And I reached out uh, for Ben for confirmation of some of these dates. So, in early, sometime before July 1st of 2008, and that's a significant date for a reason I'll get to. Uh, Riverwest slash Coleco LLC at the time, I don't know if it was Coleco LLC but it was at least River West, which is, owns the shell company contacted Ben As they must have seen his portable handheld at the time and they said, hey and unfortunately Ben does not have the emails they were deleted, he also does not have any of the of the contract that's signed, but to the best of his knowledge, this is what was told to me, and Ben said I could say this they, for one dollar uh, Coleco Holdings slash Riverwest at the time uh said, Hey, they said to Ben, Hey, we own we own the trademark ColecoVision. You're using it on your portable. Why don't you pay us a dollar, sign something, and we'll let you use it. And Ben told me at the time he thought it was weird, Best Rick recollection, because he had been doing, you know, you know, uh Xbox custom stuff, uh stuff, you know, Sony products. At that
1: time I think it was Atari ColecoVision. I think he had done Dreamcast maybe sure. by that
0: point. So so he thought it was weird that out of all of these, Coleco slash ColecoVision was, was getting in touch with him, having not a problem, but saying, hey, we want you we want you to license this out for a dollar. So he so he paid the dollar, he signed something. They also even requested he I think he had a new vector file for the for the logo, and he sent it to them out of out of courtesy. It's
1: very humorous that someone and this is not a, a knock on Ben because I, I would have been I would have been interested that the company would have contacted me. Sure. Maybe I wouldn't have looked into it. But a red flag for me, certainly now, is that they would have asked for a vector file. Why would they not have had on hand the clearest possible image of the ColecoVision logo?
0: So, bear with me here. So, you can go to the web archive and you can see the picture uh, posted here. He, ben said to me that's my hand when I talked to him on the phone. Four cool face buttons, but on the top is the ColecoVision rainbow logo, the famous one. Okay? Keep in mind when he's talking to uh, River West representative at the time slash Coleco Holdings, there is no trademark that's officially registered yet. Nope. No certificate has been registered. Okay. And this is again this is all on the trademark website. You can search it yourself. I'm just following along again I'm not a lawyer, not an expert. This is how it appears to me in my opinion. So, we have... It's a, ch- it's a pretty simple timeline. It's a pretty simple timeline. So, early 2008, they get in touch with Ben. This stuff happens. He, he says, yeah, I'll pay you a dollar, so, you know, either leave me alone or I think it's whatever. He thought nothing of the time. This is not an attack on Ben at all, by the way. This is all without his knowledge. After that point, on July 1st, 2008, a new statement of use was filed to the Trademark Office. The statement of use said... That the trademark was used for video game, current identification, video game software, and video game machines for use with television. They list a first use anywhere date of December 15th, 2005, a first use in commerce date of December 15th, 2005. Two weeks before Ben put, this, put his portable on the website of December 31st, 2005, but then they link to the image of the specimen. And the image of, to, of the specimen is Ben's portable from the website. is portable clickovision with Ben Heck's hand in the picture. I asked Ben, Ben, were you aware of this at the time? And he said, no, I was not aware of this at the time. Is, I, it, I said to him, to the best of your knowledge, with what you signed, give them permission to do that. He said, I have no recollection of that at all. But this is m-
1: my question, and this does not make me feel like it's any less shady. Is this... I Is this... The dollar transaction. Is this the licensing? Is this the use of it in commercial use because he licensed it? Is this the bullshit that they're trying to go on and hence why they're using that picture? Unfortunately, it, doesn't, it doesn't make it any better in my mind, but the, I, I feel like that that's it. Once money is exchanged, once even a dollar is
0: exchanged, is that what did it? However... At this point in time, when Ben was talking to them, they did not have security of the trademark, so they did not. True. They did not, in my opinion, legally have the standing to even ask Ben to register, register. with them for a dollar. Fair enough. Fair enough. They okay. had no legal standing to do that at the time. I'm ben, just curious what ben, the
1: dollar transaction it, was for, because it seems like such a and like I said, it doesn't. It doesn't make it any better. I'm just trying to figure out what you're the playing dollar devil's is advocate. No, I'm, I'm not really. I'm trying to figure out what that dollar was what was the point of that dollar
0: even if and and this probably did not happen even if ben said i give you permission to do it which he did not the problem with following first use in commerce date commerce means commercial sure and he's not selling what yet. what ben did was not commercial Racial. yes and for, I, it's a big that, leap okay, so it's a that, big leap for river west to say this was the first use in commerce Based upon 12, 15, 2005, when that wasn't even a real thing. Right, date. so
1: that, that's the thing. I'm not playing devil's advocate. I feel like they're twisting that dollar transaction as a first use in commerce because he paid them
0: a dollar to license, license something
1: name. that he had made.
0: So this is what's interesting about this.
1: Even though he's not selling it.
0: Yeah. So this is what's interesting about this. And unfortunately, again, Ben doesn't have the actual email, but this is the best of his regulation. He had no idea this was happening at the time. So up to this point, again in the timeline, up to this point, no trademark was officially registered with the government for ColecoVision. For Coleco Vision, July 1st, they do a statement of use noting December 2005 they use Ben's image that was portable. Two weeks later, publication and issue review complete for that specimen. And then a month later, Excuse me, they do, the, they do the publication issue review and complete notice of acceptance of statement of use. Ben's handheld that he created in 2005 was the first accepted statement of use in the trademark filing process on the website. Eat shit, you snaky bastards. Without Ben Heck, you can make a very fucking good argument because it wasn't until August... 18, thousand eight, a month later, that for the first time, uh, registration certificate was filed for ColecoVision. Yep. So you can make the argument without, I, not even the argument. It's I'm, not an argument. In my opinion, without Ben Heck creating a portable yes. ColecoVision, there would have been no, there would have been no acceptance of this of this uh, trademark of ColecoVision. Nope. They by s- Riverwest,
1: they 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 saw an opportunity and seized on it like fucking assholes.
0: So again, I'm not a trademark lawyer. This is just my opinion on Neither the matter I, here.
1: And it's just an opinion.
0: All I'm saying is, maybe someone should look into this. And maybe follow up with someone to say, does this look kosher to you? Is this how the process usually is when you bring a dead trademark back to life? Do you have to uh, fish around and find a product someone else made? Or it really should be your own business uh, using the trademark or own product for, the, for the, in this case, ColecoVision. That's... That's how it appears to me. Something something strange happened. Uh, so I would make the case that if Ben knew about this, and if he wanted to at the time, he would have more of a legal standing to have gotten the trademark himself because he actually created something, something with the ColecoVision right. logo on it. it. It should be Ben's. Well, let's just put it this way. The, the, cart's out, the, the, barn's, out, the barn's out of the cart. The horse is out of the barn. Right? The horse is out of the barn. And the cart's Cats behind the-, the bag. But no. But the whole point is that there wasn't a, a real specimen. If you if you take away Ben's portable ColecoVision, there wasn't a specimen of use then until 2014 with the ColecoVision flashback. Yeah. So without Ben's portable Riverwest slash Coleco Holdings didn't have a ColecoVision product that they can say this is our brand or trademark slapped on it until 2014. So. That's a whole other wrinkle to this story, I think, that maybe will be looked at in the future. Maybe, I don't know. Maybe
1: our opinions will cause people to dig a little deeper.
0: But it's all public knowledge, and, you know, maybe this will lead to ColecoVision, the name being, you know...
1: Freed up for better people.
0: Maybe. Maybe. I don't know. I have no idea. I'm not a lawyer, and that's all my opinion. Maybe
1: someone lives in a house made out of stool. (laughs) But that's just an opinion.
0: All right, and that's a, well, we'll leave our heady topic on that note. <laughs> okay. Hey, so let's talk about
1: something uh, actually cool. Okay. Um, Fire Pro World uh, just had its uh, big event. Well, a hundred people, but it was packed. In um, uh, the I think it was called the lot actually. In um, I don't know where in Japan. Um but fire pro wrestling uh more so than what's important about what was announced there is I think just a, a brief recap of fire Pro wrestling and why fire pro world is is so important why fire pro rules too a- and, and and why we can um why it's worth detailing this so fire Pro wrestling is a, a wrestling series that started on the p c engine but actually has its roots in the uh video game that Pat sucks at. Um, pro wrestling on the NES. Um, the one game that I can beat Pat at consistently.
0: Um, Consistently. (laughs) Consistently. Yeah. Yeah,
1: I've lost once.
0: Uh, Someone did a show up the last marathon to defend their belt, by the way. Forfeiture. Forfeiture. (laughs) 30
1: 30 days (laughs) on defending the title. Anyway. Anyways. Um, Fire Pro, especially once it entered the Super Nintendo era, um... It became very important because it had an extremely robust uh, character creation system.
0: Not just that. It was the closest to a a real simulator on a
1: console. Um, You have to work from your weak moves to your medium moves to your strong moves. Um, Crowd reaction is important. Um, if you get the crowd on your side early and you get momentum going, you can end the match a lot quicker than you can if the crowd is not on your side. So if you hit your finisher, you know, when, when the momentum is not going for you, it's less likely to end in a pin than when the crowd is on your side. Um, there's actually a breathe button and it's not you know, as obtrusive as people think, but you will wear yourself out using moves. Sure. You need to determine, you need to make the strategic decision after a big move. Am I going to go for the pin? Am right. I going to lift him? Am Rest gonna, hold? Am I going to do a wrestle? Am Submission? I gonna, am I going to submit? Am I going to attack him on the ground? Or am I going to back off? And Am I going to breathe a little
0: bit? So it's the closest video game to that point where it actually looked like a real wrestling match you'd watch on TV. And it really does. It ebbs and flows. And it's like
1: that. all... 2D graphics.
0: Sprite-based, yes.
1: Yeah, it's sprite-based, and um, connecting your large uh, contact moves is hard, um, which is something that people don't like about it. Fire Pro is interesting because once it really hit its kind of modern-day timing standard and gameplay standard with Six Man Scramble, which was on the Saturn, uh, and G on the PlayStation. The engine has been fairly reluctant to change. It's because fans got into uh got very into what they considered almost a perfect engine. As D, Z and R were released as well as the Game S. Boy uh Don't skips 6-man scramble. On I Saturn. talked about 6-man oh. scramble at the start. Damn it. Okay. <laughs> Pay attention to me, Jesus. Um you know it got more and more solidified. So the gameplay never really changes and the gameplay is not going to change much in world. There are minor additions that are going to be very cool though. So it's a big sim and its creator wrestler mode is almost an arguably deeper than
0: any any wrestling game well, out there. Well, the, the the creator wrestler mode is interesting because it's still doing stuff that other series haven't caught up on even all these years later. Right. Um, Not just, obviously, you select the moves and how your wrestler looks. Yes, we know that every creator wrestler has that. But then you get into the logic of the CPU. And that's that's deeper than... And they started doing that in in the, what, the early 90s with with premium, right? I Uh, believe so, yes. X premium on, on, on Super Famicom, where you can really... If you really get down to the nitty gritty, you can really program the wrestler to do the moves and to do even the taunts in proportion to how he would like in real life on TV, your wrestler.
1: By the time you get to R, you can determine percentage chance of weak, medium and strong moves for 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 lower attacks when a person's face down on the ground, face sure. up on the ground. Upper attacks. How often they Turnbuckle. are... Uh, how Outside often, the ring. Yeah. When they are at a certain level of of you know, at a certain distance in the game, how likely they are to use a, 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 a specialty move, mm-hmm. and then how likely they are to follow it up with a finisher. And you
0: select four specialty moves for your character. And uh, three specialty three and, and, a special?
1: and, and, and a finisher. And what it gets down to is Fire Pro is amazing because it's incredibly fun to play, but it's one of those games where if you make an edit or download an edit of a wrestler that has a logic set that has been finely tuned, it's legitimately fun to watch CPU versus CPU matches because the wrestlers will act just how they do in real life they will fuck up how they do in real life they will follow up how they do in real life they will do their taunts how they do in real life followed by specialties followed by this that and the next and we're, not
0: even, we're, not, and we're not even touching on everything it's so no.
1: I, mean, I mean not even
0: your wrestlers have different characteristics you can put like uh, if you bleed, some get stronger. Uh, uh, yeah, comeback moves where if it looks like they're beaten down, they'll get a second wind and comeback. So it's obviously it's all based on Japanese wrestling and stuff you see. But they they thought of all this stuff decades before other companies did. And now then it was funny because it, it took them longer to catch up with stuff like custom belt creation, mm. you know, and things like that, and custom ring creation. That was the stuff they were behind on. But that's actually easier to implement into your game.
1: Right, and most people didn't give a shit about it. I mean, for instance, Fire Pro World, one of the things everyone's so excited about is we can now crawl towards the ropes when we're in submissions. Yeah. It's It's little, but, you know, so you can reach the rope and get a rope break. Right. And, uh, I mean, we're all excited about that, but to us that's a little addition because every other part of the game has been so great. There's going to be strike exchanges now, which happen at random, and, uh, you know, they're going to have the same sort of timing. But that's going to be interesting. That's the other thing about Fire Pro. Fire Pro is very technical. Everything is based um, on a very strict timing. Button mashing will not get you anywhere no, in Fire Pro game. Wrestling. You
0: have to learn how to play this game.
1: If you button mash, the game will automatically penalize you with a loss. Sure, You have to get the timing so, down.
0: So in terms of, um, I guess, the, the, what is it, the early... Early access. They're going to have uh, one normal matches. like steel cage? They're going to have basically all of the matches. Electric current blast match, which is like the electrified steel cage. That's always
1: been, yeah. That's been in there for uh, a long time. The
0: landmine one, which I think is barbed wire around the edge, and, and the if you throw outside.
1: and if you throw them outside, they blow up.
0: Uh, a battle royale, which is the same thing as Royal Rumble, and and now even but, before they had it, but no, but no one runs in. But I think now they're gonna add that finally. Okay. Um basically basically a rural rumble is a is a ton battle royale yeah. where people run in and everyone. In. Uh a mixed martial arts rule, which they had going at, back to uh six man uh Scram They mode? did eliminate
1: one mode that I never really used, but I don't remember it. Um there will be uh the UFC cage, I believe. Yep. Uh and then except
0: it's uh, it's uh it's uh, it's on an octagon, it's six sided, I believe, or 8 or 12, or it's more that it's different than the octagon, sure. Yeah, um, the, a legit cage. Uh, there's
1: deathmatch, which has, um, there's weapons. There's well, there's always weapons. There's the deathmatch, which has been around for a while, which sets up boards in the corner okay. with either barbed wire or light poles on it, and you can pick them off or throw people into them. Is that the land part of the landmine one? No, landmine is there's so many is, different landmine. I, well, actually. <laughs> No, I don't think Which? it is. is. <laughs> um, there's a lot of options, or maybe it is. Yeah, there's
0: shitloads of options. This is used. Fire Pro is used for a lot of like the you know the leagues that people like go in themselves yeah. and they simulate. They create their own wrestlers. They write write their own promos and they simulate matches. It is the
1: league wrestling
0: game. So it, there's a lot of fun to be had. Uh, obviously, just creating it. But what's important about this game uh, coming to what is it? Is it PS4 and, and PC? Is that online play? Yes. Is, is, is fucking huge it's never been and, in the game before and also then sharing easily more easily sharing your wrestlers online easy sharing of wrestlers and rings and whatever else
1: the Steam version is going to be huge for the modding community I'm going to get it for both systems. I, I, I mean, not
0: PS4, but PC I, would make the most sense to me. I,
1: I just I have to support the game coming to the U.S. I'll, I'll buy both versions. Sure. Just like I bought the import version of R. I bought my own version of R when it came to the U.S. I bought you a version of R that I still have. Uh, I don't know why I still have it at, in my possession. I said you, I was to give you to borrow at the plate. Yeah, because I, I I think I accidentally lost my version of our
0: oh, okay we'll get back yeah.
1: um <laughs> but uh, <laughs> I still have yours um, but it, it's it's going to be very cool the thing is is um here's the thing here's the thing again. it's it's a it's a very difficult game to learn so when I got all excited about there being a tutorial included in the final version I retweeted it and people are like well isn't that standard I'm like you don't understand like there's been two GBA versions, which are good, but limited because of the button amounts on the, on the, con- on the sure. controller and one U S console version released, which is R. and yeah, you get the manual, but trying to explain to people how to play fire pro is a pain. The hardcore people who want to learn how to play like me and my buddy Jay, who I used to play with all the time back in Buffalo, we'd get together once a week and play fire pro for like three fucking hours with friends. Um, you know, we had already printed out 80-page documents that had full translations of how to play everything, you know, all the translations of moves and lists and how to make edits. Oh,
0: yeah, I printed a, a big thing for six-man scramble. Yeah. Oh,
1: yeah, yeah, you know, I mean, it's like that. Yeah. You, you hole-punch it and put it in a fucking binder. <laughs> Um, but this will help people, I think, get into one of the deepest um, wrestling games that's out there. And
0: it's important, again, to have uh, this online because unlike past Fire Pros, even go back to the Super Nintendo one where there's like 100 different wrestlers, and uh, this one only has, I believe, so 30, 30 yeah, ones that are pre-made. We're, we're going to miss out on, unfortunately, one of
1: the best Fire Pro traditions, which is the uh, fake names. So Fire Pro used to always put real wrestlers in the game, well, well,
0: R changed it a little bit. They kind of changed how they looked a little bit, didn't they? More so?
1: Uh, I mean, in all the games, they kind of did, but R went, especially for the U.S. version, they a went, little bit yeah. more out of their way, where you had to change like a hairstyle to the right or the left and edit. So you had to, have to change it, to, it back. Yeah, so, so Hulk Hogan's in
0: there, but you have to do a little bit of work. But the names are so
1: funny, like Hulk Hogan was Axe Duggan, you know, yes, a play but, on the Axe Bomber or, or so, Axe... But the movesets were all the it same in the, the logic. The movesets are. were right, yeah. and the logic was right. The names were different, so you had to rename them. Sometimes the costumes might be wrong um, or my favorite was like X-Pac was one, two, three of Blitz, uh,
0: X, or, uh,
1: <laughs> one, 2 3 of Blitz X or 1-2-3 of shit one, two, three the, of Blitz X Kid, or the whole, something like that. The whole yeah. point,
0: It was a special series because you had wrestlers from all over the world, and that was the only game series where you got that. Where they right. they pulled up having U.S. wrestlers from WCW, WE, ECW, and then you got the, all the the, the the four or five Japanese uh, promotions All Japan Pro Wrestling, New Japan. Uh, I don't know, Michinoku Pro when it was around. I don't know if it's still around. Like Noah. Um, you know, if that was even around in the nineties, you know,
1: yeah. had all well, those two uh, thousands. Sure. when Noah came in after uh, all, Japan. but you see my point. Think, yeah, or split up. You, you
0: had all these. Then you had UFC guys. You had Bass Rutan. Uh, you know, you, you had
1: fucking. I mean, uh, yeah. by the time R came out, you had DDT wrestlers. You had sure. Toriumon wrestlers, or you had uh, at that point wrestlers. Dragon Dragon Gate wrestlers. Yeah.
0: you had a whole list so, of indies. So within a week of this game coming out, you're gonna have a file you'll be able to download and get like. All the wrestlers in the world, basically, because on a PC there shouldn't be a limited amount of slots, you know. And you're gonna have all the rings. You're gonna be set. So don't let that deter you from buying the game. You're well, gonna be set.
1: I think this is what's gonna happen. So it's gonna launch early access and probably retail with the 30, right? Okay. Early access people like you, um, uh, Dr. Phil Parent, uh, who follow, who I talk to a lot on uh, um, Twitter. My friend uh, Jay who goes by, uh, abbreviated Buffalo J on, uh, YouTube, um, who, uh, does some stuff for Dragon Gate. Sure. Um, you know, we're all going to crack that game open and start making edits. Sure. And by the time the full release game comes out with full online functionality, not just one-on-one, by the time the people who buy the full game, yeah, they're going to have a paltry roster of 30, Mm-hmm. no name edits generics yeah and then they're going to be able to go online and they're immediately going to be able to have yeah. 400 wrestlers yes. the, the the immediate way first, too many <laughs> the
0: first 400 wrestlers they think of they are going to have perfect you, edits you're going to be able to go a- and find um Okada, the champion of New Japan Pro Wrestling, and then also have Big Boss Man go against him, like yeah. immediately, immediately, immediately. And speaking of Okada, the three—it's—I was always, always got, it's well, gonna, most There's ex- going to be a hundred new moves, but the three they've it's been focusing then, on
1: have been the, um, the, uh, the Sister they, Abigail, the Rainmaker, and uh, I can't remember the other one.
0: But the, it's funny to get the generic names. So the generic names of the three uh, moves are the. Let's see, what are they? It's it's like the turnaround it's arm, like lar- short yeah. arm lariat. <laughs> Um, the the, the turn-around turn short-range lariat, which is the Rainmaker, which is Okada, who's one of the best wrestlers, wrestlers in the world. He's a champion in New Japan. The pole-shift-flosion, which is like the, the, the basically the, one of those side pile-driver yeah. moves. And then the twist-style pull-down face buster, which is, is Sister is Abigail that Bray Wyatt uses. You said 100 new moves? I didn't see that. That's nuts. That's not. That's insane.
1: It's not. Um, that's my big concern is it's been 10 years, over 10 years. It's been 12. If you count the Japanese release date, Okay. which you should, um, it's been 12 years. There's only a hundred new moves. And, uh, my buddy Jay was actually one of the, was, uh, at that event and, um, was where a lot of the current information about the game came from because he live tweeted it and then the fire pro clubs picked it up and started to retweet it. Um, A lot of the DDT wrestlers were there, were worryingly using uh, Fire Pro R era substitute moves for their finishers still. So, what we're going to need to see is either those moves aren't done yet, which is possible. Okay. Or we're going to need to start seeing DLC packs of moves pretty quick. I think that's the good news about this. Yes, because, especially on PC. Yes, because it's going to be infinitely updatable, and depending on how much Steam Workshop integration there is, especially if they release a like, move editor, we we may not have to worry about this too much.
0: Or a mod that'll be able to put in new moves. You know that's what, I mean? what I'm saying. A move yeah. editor. But, I mean, like, but even an unofficial one. Sure. Uh, you know, people can create their own moves, but, get, because and, and just animate themselves. So well, pro- the characters are jointed, and yeah. you can probably put that Twist stuff together pretty that's the, one, that's the one downfall of not having 3D models, where, yes, you you can easily go into SmackDown versus Raw and create your own moves because, sure. versus having it have to be drawn specifically of, of an opponent. And you know what I mean? Like, it's a little bit different. I'm excited. Even 100 new moves. And again, yeah, I'll fucking DLC all day. If you want to sell me 150 new moves for five bucks a year from now, that'd be reasonable to me. You know what I mean? That'd be fine. You know, yeah. But they can keep it going. The whole the point is that if we don't get a new Fire Pro game for another 10 years, they can keep it going this to is, DLC. This and, is okay. This can sustain it. And then, hell. I want a single player mode, and if if they don't have one ready to go off the gate, maybe eventually they'll put one in. You know, like they, can they do probably won't. Um, but that's
1: I think, or some sort of story mode. I think it, it hasn't been really talked about, but I think that's the importance of FirePro fans getting into the early access early is because you we need to tell Spike Chunsoft what we want to see in the game. Sure. They're appealing to us, and we, I would kill for a Fire Pro G style story mode again. We haven't had one since Fire uh, Pro G.
0: Oh yeah, with the faces come up and you talk and you make decisions.
1: Yeah, and, and, you, start, and I, you start off green in a gym and work your way getting picked and, and, by hey, like a major fed.
0: I, I'd be happy with that, and that'd be easy to implement. A choose-your-own-adventure multiple-choice sort of thing, and different wrestlers' just, faces come and talk. Just to. give me the fucking G1
1: again. I mean, it, it wasn't complicated, but do it. It was it was great. Well, I couldn't read it, but yeah. I mean. Oh, you could print out an entire translation.
0: Did you do that for the story? You're like, oh, yeah. what did he say? Oh, you did. Oh, I, I never went that far. I, with G. I
1: printed out everything with
0: G. Oh, yeah, right. you were a little yeah. more hardcore than me. All right, so we're looking. We're, we're getting off the, off the rails in this a little bit, but this is, gonna, oh, is it, when is uh, when is this officially coming out? We don't
1: know yet. We don't um, know yet. They, they say by summer
0: quarter two. I think which is now.
1: Yeah, quarter two for early access. So soon, and then um, I would assume by Christmas maybe for the final game or early 2018.
0: So I will be creating you and I. In, in my game, and also Disco Inferno, who was the first one I did in Six Man Scra- Scramble. I love Disco.
1: I usually do Laparca first. <laughs> oh, okay, and then uh, High Sixty Nine Hiroki, who goes by um, shit. I can't remember, but he's in
0: uh I, he's in Noah now. All right, well, Fire Pro. We never really talked about it before in the podcast. We figured this is a great time. Looking forward to this game. It's, when a new Fire Pro comes out, it's like it's like Haley. it's world ending. It's like Haley's comet coming around because it doesn't happen every year. It happens every five years. <laughs> And Lou Crate's helping us out in the C U podcast. They're helping us eat. They've been helping us out for quite some time. You know, uh, th- this is the June crate you have until the nineteenth to get this. Uh, this was last month's though. Last month you got a little rocket. You got a little rocket and group Q fig. Oh, that's adorable. Those got- Q
1: figs I like quite a bit actually. Because
0: unlike the unlike the the pops are actually detailed. You know, you can see stuff on them, mm-hmm. which is nice. Um, I love this shirt. I'll be wearing this shirt. It's the Goonies Never Say Die shirt. Come on. That might be the best one
1: I've seen yet. (laughs) Come on. I think all of us of a certain age want that shirt. Yeah. Absolutely.
0: Unfortunately, we'll we'll probably not get a a Goonies 2 uh, movie by... by, um, What was the director? Donner. uh, Richard Donner, one of the most underrated directors ever, by the way. He did Superman, Lethal Weapon, and and Goonies, yeah. Richard Donner. Was it Donner? Okay. And Then you also also had, from last month, you had a... um, you had a set of six colored pencils and a sharpener. Uh, I guess you need your colored pencils I'm not sure what that's about. I kind of like that. I don't know, but I like it. But Oh, it's for the it's for the art of coloring. Ah! Star Wars. So this was last month's Loot Crate. So this month, uh, you're going to get... Uh, what are you going to get this month? You're going to get stuff from Spider-Man, Transformers, the Hulk, and DC Comics. Uh, there you go. Um, you go to uh, lootcrate.com slash Pat. Enter code PAT. And you save 10% on any new... Subscription. They also have loot pets if you want to uh, put some uh, stuff on your pet toys and little things. And there's also loot wear and loot wear. My girlfriend always steals all the socks uh, from loot wear. <laughs> I should and I should have kept the, the the Mega Man socks and and but Nightmare for Christmas and, and you know Transformers soccer they had uh, about a year ago. That was so. pretty cool. Yeah. So yeah, it, it's 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 a good it's good stuff. Um, so again, go to lootcrate.com slash pat. Enter code pat to save ten percent. On any new subscription, proud sponsor of the CU podcast. You know who else is Ian? Blue Apron? I, I I've
1: I've grown to really like Blue Apron. Blue Apron. <laughs> um, Woo! I actually Yummy food. I, I'm not. I'm not going to beat around the bush here. Uh, this is. Uh, I mean, my personal testimony. I actually. Um, you know that that they, they send us promo codes. You know, right? Yeah. It's the
0: second to, month we get we get a couple of a uh, free meals. So,
1: so they send us promo codes to try this out, and I I, I love the promo codes because I get some meals for free. Um, but uh, Vani and I have actually been using Blue Apron more frequently than just the promo. Oh, codes. so you you bought in? Yeah, we bought in, and, and and um we don't do every week, but we kind of look at the menus in advance, and we do it uh, a few times. Um. Uh, a couple times every few months, and the reason is, is because Blue Apron delivers everything you need um, for the meals, for four person meals. Ever since I've been sick, I don't eat as much. Okay. And uh, one thing I'm very much against is food waste, and Blue Apron packages all their food to be a, to 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 eliminate food waste. Everything they send you is for that. For those meals, sure. So if you want to make four good sized meals, and for Vani that will last us um, two days of lunches. You mean, you or, mean four servings of or a four meal. servings. Yeah, that that'll last us two lunches, which is honestly how we usually do it. We cook right. it at night and do two lunches, or we do a dinner and a lunch. Um, and I don't have to feel bad about throwing shit away. Sure,
0: it's a, it's a perfect amount for like what you have. You can select between uh, a meal for two or for four people. Um, it's under ten dollars per person per meal. Um, I just made the meatball sandwich one with Frank. Oh, we haven't on done Sunday. that yet,
1: yeah, but we, we did. Get wow, that one. Yeah.
0: good, better meatballs. I'm not because because they used they u- try to use more local sourced food from where you live. Which makes sense. Try to start yeah, yeah. shipped all the way across the country. Now you know? the quality of the food um, is, um, is ace. they gave me natural beef, um, and the meatballs tasted better than an Italian restaurant. I swear to God. Oh, hey, by the way, um, I'm 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 really bad at bullshitting. So No, no, this, this is true. This no, is, I'm not gonna bullshit about yeah, meatballs. I, can, I can't. I'm Italian, I cannot bullshit about meatballs. I made the meatballs, Frank I mean, was drinking a little too much, wasn't helping me. That's okay. But they even gave me the lettuce for the salad and it was way too much lettuce. That was the only thing about <laughs> it was for four people the lettuce, it was for eight people the lettuce. But um it's easy to follow. Like the only thing that they don't give was like the olive oil, you know, to, to put yeah. in the pan. Everything else they even give, you, like they even give me a little thing of oregano that was like this big. It was like it was like a you know smaller than a dime bag it, in high school, it, you know, <laughs> full of actual oregano. Yes. Um, I,
1: I I really like the uh, the tiny little uh, bottles they send you of like the sauces that or you the would vinegar get, or whatever, that, that, yeah, or that you would never have in sure. your, your pan. So
0: you, you want to go to blueapron.com dot com slash cu podcast. You get your. Uh, first three meals free with free shipping. um, And you can select from usually like, like you have like four different choices or six different choices for the ones you want delivered. And you can do certain weeks if you want. You can do more than one meal. I um, think
1: you can choose between two person meals or four person meals. You sure. either get like two four person meals or like and three two person meals.
0: Prep time is usually around 20 minutes and the cook time is usually around 40, something in that area per meal. Yep. Uh, if, if you're skilled enough to do it. Again, go to uh, blueapron.com slash CU podcast. First three meals free sponsor of the CU Podcast as well. So, uh, Ian, Friday the 13th, we spoke about this way back. We've, we've covered uh, it a couple of times. When it was first announced uh, when there was a, a delay uh, and then they, they, you know, because they figured oh, we're going to delay it, we'll put it in a single player mode. But if... if but my... they,
1: and then they also offered uh, additional beta codes to people who had uh, kick-started it so their friends could get in on mm-hmm. it and check it out. Um, yeah, so... Friday the Thirteenth, the game. Um, I own it. I did not kickstart it. I bought into it, knowing that there were
0: reported issues.
1: Here's here's the story: server issues. But I also kind of want to re- review the game as well. Um, I think gun. I believe it's Gun Media who's making the game. Um, I-, I I first want to say that it is a small, independent. Group. I also want to say that unlike the whole um, No Man's Sky thing, um, Gun Media did not promise more
0: than what we got. Sure, we got what they promised. There was a lot of people, uh, you know, playing the, the you know the beta version of this. There was a lot of uh, YouTubers that put up footage, so you saw the gameplay. You they saw promised what the mode was. a
1: multiplayer game only. Sure. And they said that we would maybe get a single player mode. They described it. We got what they said. Um, I think they handled their delays fairly well. And the biggest issue is they here's the deal. They got a Friday the thirteenth license, okay? As an indie company. Which is a big get. That's a big get. Now it's, it's not it's not Coleco though, but you know, <laughs> It's it's not like Friday the 13th is the franchise it once was, but it still has a massive cult following, and people love it. So, like I said, I'm not trying to play... Uh, uh, apolog- Apologizing them, but you're. But I'm, I'm trying to lay some groundwork here. Sure. Okay. They weren't expecting the influx of people playing this when they released it digitally on the PS4 and the PC.
0: Yeah, they I... were. They were basing estimates based upon what the pre-orders and the Kickstarter backers and how many people were playing the beta, and they they extrapolated out a certain amount. I think they said like we expected thirty thousand people to be playing concurrently, and it was like seventy five thousand, so more than double their estimate of people, which is a great problem to have. But unfortunately, it broke stuff. so this is where I'll start um,
1: the prop okay so the game launches and there are severe server problems um, a lot of people can't even get past the beginning screen. they can't even get to the menu because it, it won't it won't load past there's this like a login error mm-hmm. they have fixed that by now. Okay, I, I haven't encountered this error at all since. Um, however, it still takes four fucking ever to find a room. Some days I might wait 30 seconds to find a room, uh, which is great. Uh, some days I might go four minutes before saying, fuck this, I'm going to cancel out and try again.
0: So was of that based upon where you were when you signed up in terms of like, if you, I think I, for the notes I saw... Depending on what server node your user account was associated with, you could have a much better time than someone else. That
1: is possible. Another thing is, is if you uh, party up with friends, uh, you seem to get connected a lot quicker. Because I'm not sure how they're doing it, but when you watch yourself trying to connect, if if you're one person, they're trying to find a room to slot you into. But it seems like they're doing it one by one very slowly. If you party up with a bunch of people and try to play, likelihood is they're not going to try to shove four people in the one room. Sure, they're going to give you your own room and let people find you.
0: Can you also create your own room and just invite people?
1: Yes, you can create a private match,
0: and that should be fine in theory.
1: Uh, yeah, but you you, you need to get the full allotment of counselors in there to make
0: it to make it uh, even a game. Yeah.
1: Um, excuse me. So. I've had good times, and I was ready to, like, with finding rooms, and I was ready to say the problems were done. But the other night, it took me three minutes to find a room. I got two or three games in, and then it booted me, and then I couldn't connect again. To their credit, they seem extremely apologetic
0: they're very upfront about what was happening.
1: No, they've been extraordinarily um, upfront. Unlike a lot of developers, they have been
0: nothing but transparent. They've been trying to explain everything. Yes, te- technical stuff about some of the nodes getting corrupted on the servers, right. having to switch to a new server, and this, you know, why are some users not getting in and others are? They were doing a to me a, a fine job the best they could do to explain it right. in my opinion. So, having no horse in the race.
1: Um, I do worry before I get into my personal experiences with the game like more in depth, I do worry that if this is not fixed quickly, they could potentially lose a user base for what is, at the start, a very good game. By the way, can I ask you real quick, uh, do we have a topic about games as services coming up after this? Mm -hmm, Good. Okay, so... um, I, I think they need to take care of this fairly quickly because they cannot lose their their user base.
0: So the games that you actually come into, they're fun, they're engaging. It's good to have teamwork, get the walkie talkie, talk to your team. Oh
1: yeah, it's we're gonna to, we're gonna get into that. It's
0: fun to be Jason.
1: We're gonna get into that. I actually haven't been Jason yet, but it doesn't even matter. Okay. So they need to fix it. However, despite all of the fa- the problems they need to fix which I, I, I do have faith in them to fix. If you get into the game, holy fuck is that game fun as shit. Um you know, if you can deal with an online only game and i mean, i think Overwatch has shown that people are getting to the fact, are getting to the point where there are some games that are created for groups of people. Um, so this
0: isn't a shallow experience, not something you would get bored after a, a month or two. Uh you may, but there's only three different maps, correct?
1: Yes, but they're I believe they're going to do more? a Splatoon type drip. This is why I kind of want it to lead into the games as services sort of uh, topic. Um, but so what it is is there are only there's three campsites. Um, there's Pocono, Crystal Lake and Hat. Uh, I can't remember the one that starts with H, I believe, and. What, it, what the game does is is it either pits someone at Jason is someone at, is Jason and starts in Jason's little shack, and then the counselors, um, which are uh, all at the big house, okay the big, the big house. And how the game plays out is um, there are seven counselors, and the counselors fend for themselves, but it's best to work is as, as teammates. Um, and on any map, the means for escape are kind of randomly generated so each map is the, different you have you, to, you have to find items yeah you you can't you can't just memorize a map sure so um, on any given map there are a number of escape means that may be possible um, you can escape via a four-person car two-person car two-person boat uh, you might be able to call the police mm-hmm. Um... And you might be able to just outlive Jason. Or you can kill
0: him, which is very hard.
1: Or you can kill him, with, which is very hard, and it requires a very specific set of conditions. Sure. Um, including, like, a female counselor finding uh, the shack and getting his mom's sweater yeah. and someone knocking a mask off. Yeah. And it, yeah, it's, it's tough. Um, it's a lot of fun. you got to do a lot of sneaking around.
0: Um, Plus, but real quick, and the counselors have different abilities and sort of stealth and and power and speed. And
1: you can earn lots of perks for them, so that they're not as visible, or they can run faster, regenerate stealth faster. So basically, the game involves a lot of sneaking around, hopping into cabins, creating as little noise as possible, and looking for things like gasoline. Batteries, weapons, uh, weapons, um, maps,
0: decoys like like was it firecrackers?
1: Firecrackers. Uh, turning up the radio like you would if uh, you were autographed the eighties metal band um, to 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 create like a huge disturbance. Um, To throw Jason off your tracks. To throw Jason off your tracks. Because he can track you. He can. Uh, Pocket knives you can find, which are really useful. So when he grabs you in a chokehold, you automatically stab him in the neck and you can get away. You can find bear traps and stuff to set for Jason. Um, And as the game progresses, what's interesting is your strategy evolves or devolves depending on who's getting killed, who has what. Communication... I've played some games without the uh, mic, and you can still escape, and you can still do well, but the game definitely works better with communication.
0: Well, the game is cool because it's somewhat realistic that you can't talk to other, uh, with the other counselors. Oh, that's the best you, part. Unless you get the walkie-talkie.
1: Yeah. So it's like, you,
0: you don't well, want no, no, to no. cheat and well, use or, Discord. Or you, can, or you have to be within a certain, certain proximity. Certain So the game knows that this is like the 80s technology, so... Yeah. If you're across the campsite, I can't just talk to you unless we have a walkie-talkie. Yeah, so I, I love that. That is it's, awesome. It's
1: so cool. It's so fucking cool. And honestly, for an online game, I've met more cool people playing that game because of the way it pits you it against forces Jason. you to team up. Yeah. They may yell at you, or something weird may happen where you, you know, in a panic, fortify a door as someone's sure. trying to come in behind you. Sure. But, you know afterwards, no one's swear. When you die, you get tossed into a chat lobby where you can watch everyone else as they play, and everyone's
0: just joking around afterwards. Sure, because there's a lot of... It's probably the sort of game where a lot of funny moments happen oh, near escapes, near deaths. Let you know? me talk to you about a couple okay. of those. I want to buy... You know, I'll fucking play with you tonight, because I, I wanted to play it. Well, so. you need a PS4. I have it on PS4. No! Now. Get a PC one now!
1: I'll, I, I will probably buy it on PC. I don't but, have a PS4, damn it, anyway. But it's so good. I, I would buy it again Um, when it works. <laughs> but uh so like the other night my uh <laughs> my buddy Alan is playing on my account and he finds the car keys and he keeps calling out to people. He he's got yeah. a walkie-talkie. He's trying to find cuz if you get a map or you can pull it up and you can see what checkpoints are done for certain escape things. Mm-hmm. So he sees the car and he sees the checkpoints and he's waiting for someone to find gas and he sees someone finds gas so he runs to the car. But the people who have found the other things are nowhere near it. And he's like, fuck this. I got to get out of here. So he just jumps in the car without anyone else, flips on the keys, and drives away. Meanwhile, someone's in the middle of the road acting like an asshole who knocked over Jason, right, with a bat? Sure. And decides that they're going to start teabagging Jason. And my buddy Alan's like, I got to get the fuck out of here. And just runs over the counselor, (laughs) loses, loses me 200 experience points. (laughs) But manages to beat the game. The other, um, Tommy Jarvis from the movie, if you find a certain CB radio and you uh, call Tommy Jarvis, someone who's either dead will come back as Tommy Jarvis Mm -hmm. or the first person who dies will come back and he gets one good shotgun shot, which incapacitates Jason for a long time. And uh, I was playing the other night and the same dude, who was really great, I wish I would have friended him, but there was an error with the list, is following me, trying to protect me as Tommy Jarvis. And Jason grabs him, and I just start flailing my frying pan around. And I'm doing (laughs) as much damage to Tommy Jarvis as I am to Jason. So it, it creates a lot of panic. There's a lot of good beats in the game. There's a lot of, like, scary effects that come up when Jason's using certain special powers. When the game works, it's fantastic. My biggest problems about when the game works... So you have to get used to the fact that almost everything is context sensitive, and tapping buttons and holding buttons changes things. So when you're getting used to it, when you're trying to open a window and get through a window, you mm-hmm. may open and close that window five times before you realize like how to jump oh. through the window. You gotta get gotcha. used to that sort of shit. Um, the other thing is... Um, All three of the current maps are campgrounds. It's hard for me to determine the difference between them. The fact that they move things around is very cool. But I want to see space. Give me a Jason X X map.
0: Yeah, I think... Hell, they'll probably get a Jason X eventually, right? Probably. Um, Right now, now, was there like five or six different Jasons?
1: Yeah, give me... There's... uh, there's a lot of Jasons. There's like right uh, now.
0: six, seven, two, three, or four, and then you know, yeah. There's a bunch of different powers. I like see. I like that part. And, of and it. each Jason has, yeah, different, different powers. powers. Yeah, um, different speeds, different abilities.
1: Exactly. Uh, the counselors, like I
0: said, do. Um, I, I'm, I'm, well, hoping for this. I'm hoping that this sustains enough. I think it's a splatoon drip. Well, when you when it's funny you say splatoon. I can picture uh, this being. Uh, eventually different game modes released. Yes. Where you can have maybe Counselor versus counselors. Maybe some sort of weird thing where... Oh, you can already be a traitor. Like, when I ran over that Counselor... Oh, no, sure. that's but- called a traitor. You can actually go and kill other Counselors as a Counselor. Well, what I'm saying, what if you have a built-in Capture to Flag mode? You're sure. in the woods, Capture yeah. the Flag. Why not? You have weapons, and, and then maybe one character is Jason or the computer is Jason, and you try to flip his influence on what team to kill. You know, there's easy things they can or, put or in even, there. Or even just something simple that I think I mentioned to
1: you, like Last Counselor standing. No sure. Silent, sure. because a, a, a viable strategy if you're an asshole, just kill is, everyone else. No, is to get no, because he won't get experience. But is to get Jason um, chasing you, and then look at the map where the other counselors are, run and them. run them into a crowd of counselors, <laughs> and then just get the hell out, book the fuck out, because then Jason will be like, "Well, I've got a bunch of people to fucking yeah, kill I'll here, just so get, I'll, just it, grab whatever. I'll just grab whatever I can."
0: Yeah, I think I think there's a lot of potential here. And I, I think there's, there's obviously there's some, there's some agreeable anger where it's like, okay, I understand people can't play their game, but to yell at these people that are giving you, Ubisoft wouldn't give the level of explanation that they're giving, right, for, for why the game isn't working, and they're a much smaller company than a AAA publisher. I just feel like you gotta that, bear with them a little bit, I a just, little bit. I'm not saying, I'm not saying if they go weeks without, without improving it, it's okay. I'm saying bear with them a little bit.
1: I will say this. I feel like that in its current state with its current problems and yes they probably did not expect this. I do believe that. But it feels like an early access game still. I do think the game is worth its forty dollars when when it's working. When it's working. Sure. I feel like the version that is currently released that people are putting their money into it because they have faith in it probably should have been a twenty dollar early access game.
0: Sure. Get it for PC, because I'll play it with you on PC. I promise. Okay,
1: I mean it's fucking, it's it's fun as fuck.
0: Do so you want you want to talk about video games? Uh, companies talking about games as a service. I mean, real quickly,
1: um, I I think video games as a service is, I don't love the idea, but in certain areas, um, in certain ways, I'm okay with it.
0: Well, when they say service. They're talking about something like Netflix or they're talking something like Hulu, where you're you're paying almost as you go to an extent, where it's not just... Uh, video game companies or this DLC, they want to get you, the, the consumer in the mode of, this isn't a one-time purchase. This is a continual, like you say, drip of content, but you're going to be paying for this. And that's what they really want to say when they say service. They want, you, they want the consumer on the hook over a, a longer period of time.
1: Okay. Yeah, I'm not, I'm not so much into that, necessarily. Um... Constantly Yeah, you're you're right, because the, one of the examples they cited was um Hitman, which you did pay for as you go. Yeah,
0: you you basically had missions you paid for, correct?
1: Right. Um, you know, in the Splatoon sort of thing where you you, you, you put good faith in the game up front and you buy a bare bones game. You
0: buy you pay sixty bucks and then the the content comes as it comes.
1: That's fine by me. Um the Hitman model isn't so bad to me if the total cost in that good faith up front, and even if you are still paying as it goes along, doesn't equal a whole lot more than a full game. I'm okay with it, um, but I, I, yeah, it, um, I, I don't want my retail games to feel like uh, rentals that I'm constantly adding to.
0: Sure, that's a different mode, because even like what, when, when GTA comes out of the game, even a couple years later, they'll come out with free content, right? They'll, they'll have stuff ready to go for you. Sure. Like Christmas content, or they just come out with a gun-running one, right?
1: I believe so. I, I don't follow so GTA. It's
0: one, so, but you have the one mode where it's goodwill that you paid all the money up front, and we're going to give you content so that when we make an eventual another game, you're going to come right back in, versus maybe you pay a little bit less of the same amount, but you're going to be paying five bucks four times a year for content for the next two or three years. yeah. So we want to constantly giving us cash. I mean, that's the two different models we're looking at here.
1: Um, In one way, I mean, still even in that way, it's like... It's... I mean, that's kind of the model Street Fighter 5 has taken, and I shouldn't even use that example because I don't love Street Fighter 5, but it's better than Super Turbos and Ultras and all that coming out all the time. But... Um, on the internet, it's like I paid sixty for Street Fighter Five, decent fighting game. But then you know it's like twenty five dollars a year for all the downloadable content. That's still, it's not rebuying an entire game, but it's that's you're, you're still, paying
0: more than a sixty dollar game. Yeah, they it, figured that out. Yes, they figured. Exactly. If we can get you to spend a hundred bucks on a sixty dollars game, we won. I'm
1: not. I'm not spending the forty dollars every iteration, but I'm spending twenty five. It's cheaper, but it's still not. They just figured out a,
0: a model to get more money out of you. For yes. the, For what, ten years ago, it would have been the same amount of content in a theory. Sure. Was because what's the difference between a Street Fighter game where you have all the characters and costumes up front that you can you know develop on the front end versus dripping them out to you over two or three years? The difference is that. You're going to count on the people to get the same experience 10 years later, but in a different way. Sure. You know what I mean, but, but if this is going to be the more acceptable point of business, I think in consumers' minds, there has to be, like you said, there has to be a level where I'm willing to pay this amount percentage more than the cover price of the game, but I ain't spending 100% again. Like, I'll, I'll spend half, like for example, for Zelda Breath of the Wild, I'll spend 20 bucks on DLC if I think it's worth it. I'm not spending another 60. You know, right. I'm not going to go that far. You lost me there. And I think consumers have to be careful. With that this becomes the new normal we'll right see, we'll see and, and I
1: can't remember the percent uh, the, the the price points but like uh, I bought I bought Mortal Kombat 10 at 60 and then paid for the season pass which took it up to a hundred and I got a lot of time out of Mortal Kombat but then they released Mortal Kombat XL sure at I think even lower than 60 that had all the content granted you got it a little bit later but it had all the content for less money. And that's where I'm like...
0: You're like, what the fuck?
1: Yeah. And they did the same thing with Street Fighter V.
0: But you have to wait a little bit. You have to wait, you have so to wait a little bit. Piece,
1: yeah. So, yeah, it's whether... Do you like this game enough to support it more up front for a higher price, or do you wait? And even then, you might still get extended content. Like, if, if they handle Street Fighter V like they did Street Fighter Four, that game's going to have an eight-year so, shelf life. So
0: you're not getting a bonus out of consumer for spending more money earlier, when you probably should be. You're, if, you're, if you end up giving this, getting the same amount of content later for cheaper, is what you're saying.
1: Unless, except for if you're a tournament, and now I'm just focusing on fighting games, if you're a tournament player, you need that shit up front.
0: Yes, otherwise... You That's have to your quote-unquote bonus. Yeah. Which, which isn't is. necessarily a bonus. Which is why I think it's disgusting for a fighting game to even have that option. Because for a fighting game, we talked about before, Street Fighter, that the game's only complete if you have all the fighters. Right. If you don't, it's not a fighting game at that point. You know, it's, you can't do it. So. Alright, well, we'll see where the industry heads and how this affects GameStop. You know. Okay, the
1: uh, Nintendo Switch has a limited edition coming out for uh, Monster Hunter Double X. Uh, hopefully, that'll come here. Monster Hunter X did for the 3DS as uh, Generations, I believe. Um, Monster Hunter is obviously huge in Japan. It's got a pretty good following here. Um, it kind of ran with, uh, initially the Fantasy Star Online style of gameplay and then took it, uh, way deeper, way crazier. Um, but what I would want to touch on, I think, a bit more here is that the Monster Hunter Special Edition is interesting. Um, comes in a nice box and all that, um, and it has a really cool Monster Hunter, uh, Switch dock, um, and then it has a... Uh, detailing around the edge of the tablet um, the the actual center tablet piece to make it uh, look very Monster Hunter themed but because the Switch is so modular what's interesting about this is I imagine we will probably see a shitload of um, Switch Special Editions all you gotta do is make Uh a new dock yeah, well. all you got to do is add a, a silk screen to the edges of your tablet portion, and boom—you've got a new special edition. Change the color. You're not printing an entirely new um, case like you would for a 360 or an Xbox One. These are very, very minor adjustments. I mean, you could take your existing Switch docks, silk screen some new art on them, and, and
0: done. Well, I predicted it. Obviously, I predicted with the Joy-Cons. That's a no-brainer. We've already seen different colors coming out. Splatoon colors are coming Splatoon out. Splatoon
1: colors. Neon yeah. yellow colors for arms. I mean, yeah, you've got everything.
0: But I don't think a lot of people said, okay, what are the docks. Because when you look at the actual Switch tablet, there's not a whole lot of space Crazy. to work with on the side. Maybe on the back. You can do something. Oh yeah! yeah. Oh, so and
1: that's yeah. the other thing I forgot. There's the back. So you still turn the back. You still turn the top and bottom, which they showed, and you you make a new dock. And it it, it to me it just seems a whole lot easier than making special editions for anything
0: else. So it'll be interesting to see. Uh, we're not going to get this one, correct? It's only going to be in Japan. Oh, we one may. One? They just haven't announced it okay. yet. But I doubt it. But uh, a, a Nintendo, an Odyssey one for Christmas for Super Mario Odyssey, why not? You know, if they wanted to, or a Zelda one, uh, absolutely, you'll, you'll see a Zelda one. I almost guarantee you'll see a Zelda one at some point with like a gold fucking Triforce on both sure. sides, and they'll and they'll sell out instantly. You know what I mean? Like it, Nintendo, they know how to get the money out of you without it seeming like they're gouging you. Right. You know what I mean? Like they're they're not going to charge you a huge amount more for it. They'll just bundle it with the game. And so they know that okay, it's an extra incentive. It doesn't cost us really anything extra to put a Triforce on a dock, but we can we'll, we'll sell a lot more. We know that, and you'll and you'll and you'll buy it even without a premium price. Just throwing in you know throwing in a freaking Zelda, I don't know, napkin or something in with your game. I don't, I don't fucking know. I'm thinking of the Larry, Alicia Larry 30th anniversary. Yeah. We can talk about that later, but whatever. Uh, but. We're going to see that. We're going to see the Joy-Cons. I mean, hell, I'm looking at the, the Splatoon uh, Pro Controller they announced. It looks gorgeous. Yeah, it it's the same thing. You, you, they changed the colors on the wings, and they have the etching of, of Splatoon stuff in the middle. Mm-hmm. It's like, you'd, get, you'd go out and buy that in a second. Yeah, I would. Um, so, <clears throat> Nintendo's in a good spot now uh, with their hardware. I wonder if, if this is going to be sort of the new collector's market for... Because they never really took off with like all the different Wii variants or... There wasn't enough Wii U variants out there for people to care, but I wonder. No. But I wonder if you'll end up having like someone like thirty, thirty docks, uh, Switch docks in the future. Probably. You know I mean? Nintendo's just gonna you know laugh all the way to the bank with that. So speaking of Switch, they revealed their online details for their service, and I think it's pretty positive for the most part.
1: I think it is too. Um, I mean, when you look at the pricing structure for it. It's was like, what, $4 for a month, $8 for three months, and 20 for a year? $20. That, bucks. That's no one all thought, that
0: matters. No one thought it was going to be that cheap. And, Everyone would have said this is going to be the same price as Sony as Microsoft probably.
1: Right. So I think $20 is really the only price point that we need to talk about right now. Um, the $20 price point is insane compared to the $60, uh, especially for what? they are saying you'll get now obviously you'll get the online play the chat the lobby voice chat through the
0: smartphone app which things
1: etc etc but more importantly so i mean most of these 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 services you know for 60 they offer you the online play the voice chat uh the occasional deals on download games and by the way this is all free
0: until 2018 this doesn't kick in until next year
1: uh for the most part, um, if if the game stuff comes up before then, it actually shows on the checkbox that you won't get it. But I don't know if that'll happen before 2018. Um, so you get the voice chat, you get the occasional deals on games. This is on all their platforms, um, and then you usually get like. Two games free a month. Sony used to be really good about it, but now it's usually like an indie game, which isn't a bad thing. Um, but they're usually cheap enough that people who want them buy them day one, and then you know something else.
0: Oh, by the way, oh yeah, you right. O- only online is free until 2018. Yeah. The classic game selection we're getting to is not okay. Right? What Nintendo is offering for twenty dollars is all the
1: online and a classic game selection. Now, what they initially had talked about in early. Uh, earlier this year,
0: was dripping you a new game a month. One basically featured free game a month they were going to do right <clears throat> on the service. As sort of a here's the one game you can play it online, and I guess if you want to buy it afterwards you can. But here's your sampling. Your free, here's your sampling. Here's your bone we're throwing you.
1: It was kind of an interesting idea. Sure. I mean, to a degree, gets everyone playing and talking about one game, but obviously not really um, a great deal or a great idea no. other than that. Um, they've since removed that limitation, and what it basically sounds like they're going to be offering people is a uh, Nintendo Netflix library that will grow over time. Um, they said that there will be uh, multiple titles to choose from, and as long as you have the subscription... <coughs> excuse me, as long as you have the subscription, uh, you'll be able to play these games. Um, That's really no different than the quote-unquote free games that you get via uh, Xbox Live Gold or um, the PlayStation uh, Network um, completely free games, which disappear if you lose your um, membership. Now, anything that you download via a sale that's... Exclusive oh, no. to like PSN uh, network members or whatever you get to keep, and I would hope that Nintendo would do that because they did mention there will be eShop uh, discounts for members,
0: um, but still, for twenty bucks a year. That's insane. Well, this says you'll be able to download classic games at no extra cost. I'm not really sure that means you can keep them, but you're going to have them available.
1: I, I'm pretty certain they said that only yeah. uh, multiple times only while you have sure. the subscription. Sure, so they,
0: they, they, they confirmed Super Mario 3, Balloon Fight, and Dr. Mario. So far. So the big news about this to me is that they are considering Super Nintendo games as well. Yes. That is huge on top of this. And then the other big the biggie about this, which is to me and Ian, not as a big deal as the, the public, online multiplayer... For these games mm-hmm. is a huge freaking deal. Yeah, this this makes the Switch now the viable uh, successor in terms of you want to be able to play Techno Bowl against your your friend like you did thirty years ago that lives across town. Now you can. can. Or Super Mario Three, we can double up. You know, and play two players. That is huge to me. I think Doctor
1: Mario is an amazing two player game. Now I can play those.
0: Now, now I can go play AE and let's play. You know, let's play it together and you know without coming. That is huge. And now you you have a little bit more of a gleam, you know, a little more window into the soul of Nintendo of why they might have canceled the NES Classic Edition, because they might have seen this. Oh, with, no, I think that's uh, that's eyes wide open. But I mean, AD. like they probably didn't think of that, that that until recently. Maybe they saw the huge, maybe it, maybe the NES Classic Edition and the huge sales gave them this idea, and said, you know what? Instead of us producing these sixty dollar consoles having to deal with the bullshit, the manufacturing and the shipping, and then getting a uh, relatively small profit. What if we just add this as the cherry on top of our online service and we make sure the 15 million or so people that are buying a Switch in 2017, we'll say 80% of those people spend 20 bucks a month on this service. And that ends up being a hell of a lot more than then buying a $60 NES Classic Edition once. That's probably their gambit. I think it's wrong to an extent because it leaves out people that won't ever get a Switch. But I see their point, and it is smart. No, I and think it's it's smart it is to too.
1: And I, I, I mean, I even went so far back as to say that I think the reason they discontinued the Switch was beca- or discontinued the NES Classic Edition was because they had something in store for the Switch regarding the Virtual Console. Sure. And this is obviously above and beyond the Virtual
0: Console and I, I think this justifies my my thought. Sure, I still think they could they probably should have just jacked the price of the class edition to eighty or hundred bucks in order to get more profit. But it is what it is. To me, it's almost like if this didn't exist for twenty bucks, people would still get it. Now you have to get it for twenty bucks. Excuse me, twenty bucks a year, not a month. You have to buy it.
1: Well, I feel that way about any online service on any console, but, but, but
0: Nintendo I'm... just softened the blow. Exactly. They're going to say, okay, well, you think we should, you should be able to play online anyway? It's a third of the
1: price and we're going to give you a bunch of those retro games you want to
0: play. And you can play them online. Yep. You can't do that with the NES Classic Edition. You can't wire it to play you know, your end your, 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 your in Tuscaloosa. Or, I'm sure I pulled that name out of So, I guess it's going to come down to what games you see available, how many third-party ones are going to be able to get. Is obviously any Nintendo publish one slash develop one they'll be able to get but if there's a special one out there you know if they have to get contra we'll see how long it stays for 20 bucks a year versus there'll probably be ones that are always going to be available then you can just buy them separately just like on the virtual console for like whatever three or five bucks so that that's actually exciting to me that me and Ian can play pro wrestling against each other all the time we're doing our 100th podcast and there's been a recurring theme that we come back to whether it's counterfeit games misrepresentation of of game cartridges uh, that are sold on eBay or come into Luna, for example. And it's always labels that are reproduction. And there's a reason we talk about bringing this knowledge to the community is that there's a potential for people to be be, uh, ripped off. There's a potential for deception with just the existence of these labels. Uh, And we usually speak about this when it comes to games that are very expensive. Flintstones Dinosaur Peak. Little Samson's been a recurring theme. Stuff like uh, Conker's Bad Fur Day has come up, and we talked about, uh, you know, GameStop taking in fake games and selling, giving them back out to people. And it's almost never games that are below like eighty dollars, right? You know, in your experience, coming into the shop, they're always a very expensive games. And most of these label uh, labels are available freely online, and these are the labels that are also used on the counterfeit market at AliExpress, right? These games are made. So when a prominent YouTuber uh, talks about relabeling video games it, it, it gives me um, pause to see how they're representing it but also I want to I want to see how the, the, the audience of that YouTuber is interpreting the data and so 8-bit guy recently who does great work he's mostly I guess centered on com- uh, computers for the most part but he talked about relabeling uh, video games uh, and he used two examples he used Pitfall for Atari 2600 and uh, the acclaimed WF Wrestlemania on the NES and um, And it became a minor story just because he has so many subscribers, because he has half a million subscribers. So people, a lot more people than usual are now finding out about relabeling video games. So there's been a debate that's started from this. And if you never listened to the podcast before, you probably know where Ian and I are coming from to begin with. But I wanted to get Ian's opinion on this since he actually had a tweet about this in, in response.
1: Yeah, um... I I retweeted someone who said that this person was, uh, and I retweeted a friend of mine. It was in the moment um, and and the person was like, you know, this is the worst person in the world. And obviously that was sarcasm. That's hyperbole. It was hyperbole. Um, I don't actually believe that, but I I, I do feel that um, it it doesn't really matter what you're relabeling. Um, I, I, I can't, stand behind it um there were certain things i believe the person said or tried to compare it to like a guy
0: uh, compared it to when you're putting you know when you're refinishing parts on an old car or when you're cleaning an old coin those right, are the two or, examples he gave but i don't know anyone who really
1: cleans old coins um you know i try to i try to look at it from a comic book standpoint okay okay if if you try to um fix a comic book, or re-ink parts of a comic book, you know, and get it graded, it immediately destroys the value of that it, comic It at,
0: book. at least halves the value, if not more.
1: Right. Um, you were talking about replacing the covers on well, comic book. Well, that's what
0: I thought was the most... If you're going to make yeah, a comparison... That's an apt... That's an if, apt. If you're going to make a comparison between anything and replacing labels... Uh, on a video game the the closest comparison to me and the fairest one, not cars that are sixty years old um that cost you know seventy five thousand dollars just to find an example of one right The closest example to me would be comic books because comic books uh the value a huge chunk of it um, is based upon how the cover is. Yes, the inside of the pages do matter a little bit, but by and large, it is the cover, and there is a certain grade of of level of if damage that That um, predicts the the value and condition of it. Correct? So, for a game, we're not there yet. There's no established, this is a 8.0 label. There's not a 6.0. There's not a 5.0. We're not there yet. The the hobby and the community is still maturing to get to that point. But I I do know this, though, that if you have a replacement comic book cover, the comic becomes worthless. It becomes poor condition. It is the same as if that comic has no cover at all. Right,
1: exactly. Which makes
0: it a point... .5 out of 10 scale, which makes it like 1% of the value of the comic. That is a fact. Um, When it comes to video games, we are not there yet as community to decide what is totally uh, acceptable in terms of the value and condition. Of course, you can do whatever you want with your own game, and no one is arguing that.
1: And and that's never been our argument. We're not saying that people can't do what they want with their own property. I just don't agree with with sure.
0: that practice, sure, and, and it's funny that some people in the comments of of Epic Guy's video were saying, "Well, you are going to have the the uh you know the collectors and the people that are stuck up that are going to be railing against us." And it's like, "Well, it matters to us. It affects us. It doesn't affect you. It affects Ian when you have people coming in with counterfeit games with fake labels that exist. It affects his job. It, it you know it, it doesn't affect your life at all, right?" And and I think that's why
1: I take such an anti stance on it is. I really, I always have to check the labels for expensive games. Sure. And I have to be as careful as I can. And as, I mean, as labels get better, there's always ways to tell. Sure. And I'm good at it. But it doesn't, what worries me is now that people are looking at, you know, when I retweeted um, that one tweet, some, I, you know, I said, and I can't believe. Of all things, it's WrestleMania that they're concerned about. Now, I realize that, you know, um, the Acclaim and LGN game labels get really bad. You know, they're, they're, they're shit labels. For the later LJ ones, yes. Yeah. Um, but, um,. You know, it's WrestleMania of all things. Like it's a, it's a three dollar game. It doesn't yeah, find a better copy. It doesn't need to look great. Um I think I think that was my, my main issue. It was, so that's my issue because yeah. now I have to start scrutinizing everything. Because the problem is if I accidentally let a game with a repro label in and ninety six percent of people don't give a shit. Whatever. I can clear that from my store. If I missed it, that's fine. But my... Any... It's not just our business. Any retro video game store's business can take a credibility hit. If they are caught selling repro... La- games with repro labels on them if they are not
0: listed as sure. such. We're getting in a weird area here. And, and my issue is not the fact that he's doing it. It's the fact that he's not disclosing that when this is done, they're not. this is not done typically for $3 and $2 games. It's right. not worth your time. Your, your time and energy to, to get the label printed and putting on is not worth it. You just find a better copy that exists. There's a million pitfalls out there. There's a million WDFs. When this is done, it's for that little Samson. It's for that... Uh, and counterfeit or not, it's for that destroyed Flintstones Dinosaur Peak that, in this condition, maybe I can get $600, but now I put a better label on it, now I think I can get a grand for it. That's the issue. right? And it's not just you looking out for counterfeit games entirely, it's now you having to deal with someone bringing in a Wild Guns that you open up and say, that's the real ROM board, but it's not disclosed to you that the label's not, not authentic. Because we don't have a guide now to know that... um it, since that's a, a bad label, what's the value of this game? Right, it's uncharted territory. To me personally, the value would be at least half because all I'm looking at is that you might as well not have a label then if it's fake. It's it's it, the label's gone. Well, that's how I feel about it as well. Maybe even less than that, less than fake. I mean, less than less than half, like twenty five percent. We're not there yet. The difference between bringing up. Uh, Cars and the car market is in that in the car collecting community, there is an accepted level of behavior when it comes to restoration, what's acceptable. The market has borne out what you can do with car classic cars.
1: It's the same thing with classic pinball machines. And everyone, everyone in the pinball community, A, because it's very easy to tell, but everyone, people are proud to talk about the reproduction parts of the sure. new parts that are in a pinball machine sure it's 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 a different market where yes. that sort of thing is is necessary because people are people are, are are going to play that whereas i would look at cartridge condition as something more along the lines of, as we've talked about cards or comic books
0: or things like that plus it's also scale. Yes. So we're talking about classic cars. We're talking about some of these cars, there may be only 10 that exist in the world. Sure. So of course, if to get it running again or to look properly, you don't have a choice. You can't buy another classic car that's worth $350,000. If there's, I think, what,
1: 250 to 400, no more than 400 stern stargazers out there,
0: a pinball Same machine. a pinball machine. Yeah. Y- you get it up and running so people can play it. That's different. That's a machine, first of all, too. A pinball machine. A car is a machine. These are games with a label. It's right. different. Like I said, that's why I think a comic book is the best comparison. Sure. If I find even an amazing Fantasy Fifteen, the first appearance of Spider-Man, with a destroyed cover, instead of me doing a repro cover, it's probably worth my interest to find a better cover you know, and, and buy another book. You know what I mean? It, it would make more sense if you're just looking at it monetarily or even collectible value. So that's, to me, the issue is that if you're going to be talking about this, I think you should be informing the public that this is not done typically with cheap uh, common games. There's no point of doing that right. for the most part because you can find one online for two or three dollars. But it's for the expensive games, and that's what scares uh, people that not just collectors, people that sell it. Because for the most part, as far as I know, there's no big collector that's okay with repro labels and, and saying that. Okay, well, just you know, just make sure that you tell the next person that comes along. As far as I know, I have not met a big collector that's a fan of that.
1: No, and and and, and it's it's always for the people who think here and now. Like I said, there's no point in doing it because you're not going to increase the value. Uh, okay, it's not good to do it. I'm totally against doing it on the expensive games. I, I feel like we need to make that clear. That's awful. And there's no point in doing it on the cheaper games because you're not going to increase the value, but you could be ruining the reputation of another person who sells it if it's found out, or a store if it's found out. Um, And then... Possession
0: Uh, is nine-tenths of the law, right? That's the expression.
1: Oh, but then um, people, people always say, well, we can do what we want, but it's like these people don't realize that accidents occur where they have to sell things to pay for things or uh, death occurs and people just Stolen games. Stolen games. Lost
0: games in the mail. Whatever. There's so many scenarios. There's
1: so many scenarios where this is no longer yours and now this game with the counterfeit labels out in the market. It's not
0: always going to be yours. When I search for Wild Guns now on on eBay, i got to deal with now counterfeit games, even though they're saying they don't say counterfeit, they say repros or custom which is counterfeit. But now the real ones, some of the real ones will say repro label. So in my head, I'm like, why are you charging in 180 bucks? Yeah. You should be charging 50 bucks or 60. So the hobby's not there yet to really uh, decide this, but I do know that the hobby has decided that repro labels by and large are bullshit when it comes to the collector's community and to people buying and selling them yeah. because there's more harm that's happening than good. All right. Q and a time. On the CU Podcast. This is at Jeffrey Engineer. It's not video game related, but sc- scumbag sellers. Scumbag sellers? 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 Not just of the year. Week. Year. week. Year. Year. But of, year. But of the year. 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 Of the year. Ian, what do you think? Think, think.
1: Think, think, think. I think it's fucking awful. Um, So, uh, the scumbag sellers of the year are people who are scalping... The ticket stubs from the Ariana Grande uh uh um,
0: benefit benefit concert for for the Manchester
1: yeah for the the Manchester One Love benefit concert uh benefiting the uh, Manchester terrorist attack. Um, You're fucking gross. And if I saw you in person, I mean, I'd lose the fight, but I'd fucking knock your teeth in. Um, Get that first shot in you. Get the sucker punch in. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Uh, To capitalize on a fucking tragedy for money is absolutely disgusting, and I think you're awful.
0: So um, there are 22 people, unfortunately, killed uh, by the bomber. Um, that was on May twenty second. Ariana Grande and a bunch um, of other musicians came back to do it. mostly teens and children. Yep, mostly teens and children. Uh, yeah, because that's that's mostly her audience. Um, so, uh, to her credit, she said, "I want to do a benefit concert. I will, all the proceeds go to the to the families and victims that were affected." Th- fantastic. That she did that, obviously. Uh, then you had other musicians of like, about ten or twelve that were coming in on board. So, um, yeah, I don't know. We we thought the uh, the interview scalper was bad because that took place on Christmas. Remember, yeah, remember that guy. That was that was the the, we thought one of the worst ones before. One of the worst. This this is a whole new level because in order for you to have profited off of scalping, people literally had to die for your opportunity to scalp these tickets. Let that go through your head Uh, again, for you to make the money off of this event. People were blown apart by a bomb. So I hope you are blown apart by a bomb eventually. I mean that's the best i can say because i don't and but, then eaten by dogs. Yeah, why not? While you're still alive, while you can still hold your intestines in your hand. Yeah. To eBay's credit though, they cracked down. Oh, good. publicly on this and said, yeah, we're going to eBay said, please do not attempt to sell one love manchester tickets on our site. We are actively removing all listings and restricting sellers who try to. Restic- restricting, they should be fucking banning them. Yeah. That's restricting. I feel like the uh, dog should
1: grow opposable thumbs, learn how to use a pasta fork, <laughs> roll up those in and Do this
0: spoon and fork combo maybe, like I do time. Maybe set up a table. They, a t- they said... <laughs> Lady and the Tramp, maybe, with intestines. They said, this is completely against eBay rules. We are immediately removing all listings which attempt to profit unfairly from what happened. Well, good on eBay. Yeah. That's to be one of the only times eBay's ever helped us out in a scumbag seller of the week or the year. Um, and they uh, I mean, actually don't allow the sale of any concert tickets on their site, they said. So, this is not just profiting from a tragedy, which is awful, and scalping, which is, goes against, you know, terms of service, but then also, eBay doesn't allow you to do that anyway. They don't like you doing that. So, yeah. they should. What they should do, I wish they can find all these sellers by, if you if you say you bought more than four or five, and I'm sure these assholes use fucking bots and bought like 30 of them. Sure. Cancel all those tickets and resell those amounts to people you saw, like, in your waiting room or whatever. Contact them and say, okay, we'll sell you two each. or You know what I mean? Like, that's what I would do. You lose your fucking money because it goes to, through a, to a good cause. Let's resell those tickets you try to scalp. Sure, I, I, they probably could do something like that. I wish they do that. Yeah, because then you could say, well, Pat, they're helping a good cause. Sure, they're helping a good cause. But these assholes buying fifty tickets aren't going to the concert. Yeah, you know. So let's have the people go to the concert. Yeah, and so, and celebrate. You know, uh, you know, uh, uh, you know, glory of living and, and giving back to people that suffered a horrific event. You know, and do that instead of these assholes making uh, a bad day for people. Fork and spoon. Fork and spoon. With intestines. Lady in the Tramp. At that ass is my boss. When it's the- only
1: deserving that this person gets a uh, question on the 100th mm-hmm. that episode. It might, might
0: show up again. Any reflections on how gaming culture slash retro culture has changed, if any, since starting the podcast, which was August 2013. It's been almost four years.
1: It's gotten a lot nastier. Um, I think... I hate to say that, but it's true. Modern gaming culture, whether it's retro or modern... Um, has changed uh dramatically i think since we started dramatically
0: yes okay well we went through um we were so I, we were so innocent when we did the first podcast in my room we innocent i mean we've it. gone
1: through i mean two very big things i think since we started we we've, we've gone through um and i'm i'm not going to i'm not going to try to you know toss my opinions in, but two big things have 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 affected the gaming landscape both modern and retro <laughs> and one is the i think the peak in the crust of of retro gaming which has made it all about money and the whole gamergate SJW stuff for modern gaming and gaming has become a very bitter uh politics and money driven scene, uh, depending on where you go. And unfortunately, it has killed a lot of my enthusiasm for engaging in gaming fandom. I still like to talk a lot about games with friends, but the overall immersion in the gaming scene is no longer something I particularly care about, because every time I open up the the internet, it's not really about games, it's about other shit.
0: Well, people can... The problem with... Problem... Social media is so vast and unwieldy that you can use gaming, any part of it, and you can attach yourself to it for any sort of goal, political, social you want. Um, And that's, I think, what sure. happened more and more.
1: But this has happened... And like I said, I, I don't want to focus just on the political part. Like sure. I said, it's become a lot more about money in the past four years, too. Well,
0: it's a huge... It's one of the biggest entertainment industries. It's always going to be about money.
1: Sure. Um... It's just become a lot less fun for me to pay attention To it on that level
0: In terms of business And strategy and what Ubisoft's up to you mean uh, or...
1: uh, Well that and also Like I said The, the, the pushback the, against the new Mass Effect comes out The fact that every fucking video game Has to have a fucking argument over it I, I, I just it's not it that that is no well, longer fun.
0: Well or like Far Cry Five gets announced and people lose their shit over, over the where it takes place in the villains, for example. Right,
1: even though like the previous ones had no it's just I don't fucking
0: care. I think it's more apropos of, of, of social media And and and, and the divisive way we think in tribalism versus games in and of themselves because when it comes to movies people do the same attachments it's happened with Wonder Woman or, or like people just say this is popular like Ghostbusters last year this is popular I can achieve my political or social ends through this piece of entertainment oh
1: fair this enough is happening but I'm just saying the question was about gaming, gaming and video g- yeah. culture and it affected that thoroughly as well and, and that's w- certainly w- a part that I just I don't
0: Go, going back to more retro, though, because retro is more insular. It's much smaller. Retro gaming is 2% of gaming in general. Sure. Well, saying.
1: I think uh, retro gaming, that's where the, the the money and the status is what's kind of ruined it for me. Status
0: of what people getting into uh, being collectors saying, I want all the games in the past yeah, few Yes, years?
1: where it's become more about. It, it, it's become even more about. Yeah. It's become even more about status than playing. It's become more about talking about owning certain games and actually playing certain games. I do appreciate certain groups and people out there who are making an effort to play games. A couple of my buddies uh that I know online, you know, run a group called uh I think it's Cartridge Club or something, where it's like a book club where they like pick okay. a game every month and they make sure they they play so, through it and talk about it. And that's the sort of
0: shit I like. So you see you see the the end of game playing and the history part being thrown to the side or even forgotten. It's cast aside. And you see more of the um, the, the the more not greedy but opportunistic side or the uh, egoistic side taking over. Yes, and I'm not years. trying to be pessimistic because I
1: think we can get past that. But that's that's one I hope it's tough once once money gets
0: into it the is. equation more.
1: And I, I I see a lot of people pushing back against that, but um, I think that's the biggest change for retro gaming that I've seen since we've started is that it's gotten. It was already there. I mean, some of our first topics were about that, but I think it's gotten worse.
0: Yeah, we got to. I think we got to a breaking point. We we covered uh, more than one, uh, you know, Kickstarter indigo that we thought was kind of weird. Not just a, a certain one, but we covered other ones that consoles were like, "This is weird," or we don't think this is going anywhere. Or certain retro projects were like, "Okay, well, this have happened a few years ago." Absolutely not, right? Because now it's recognized in the public with stuff like NAS Classic Edition. Before that, like, I'll come back to uh, seeing a fucking Burger King commercial and Fruit Loop showing Super Mario Brothers. Yeah, that would have never happened five years ago. Never. And now retro gaming is now where we are, people in our 30s, early 40s. We're the ones spending money. We're the ones that have kids. Now it's in the forefront. Now you have, you know, before you had three or four retro gaming conventions a year, six, seven years ago. Now there's 15 to 20 a year right. that happen. I get invited out not just to, uh, and this isn't me bragging, it's me telling the truth. I get invited out to one the same weekend, two others. The same weekend, two others invite me. right. It, was, it used to be weird you had three retro gaming conventions in one month that was unheard of. Now, three exist in one weekend across the U.S. Yeah. So, it just the the reach has gotten there, but I think we have plateaued in terms of the reach of, of retro gaming, in terms of the, the market, and you want to say hysteria, I think we've plateaued. Not saying we're going to crash, we've definitely hit that zenith point where, okay, I don't see it getting much bigger than this. Yes, we have retro style games that hit it big like Shovel Knight. We understand that. That's not going to go away, and you're going to have big ones every other year No, and like that's that. and that's good, because I think that could
1: feed people's urges um, and desires for games like that, that without having weird. them constantly fall back on a, a, a retro
0: market. Sure. But maybe when we see products come to market, there are ones that actually fulfill a purpose or need. Yes. Projects, sure. documentaries, and not just trying to cash in. Yes, projects and... Uh, exist to make money yeah you know, entertainment sure. it's all money well there's games but maybe that's uh there it's fulfilling a need and not just thinking it is maybe that makes sense sure all right we got one more topic and this is our patreon special Call in, yes you can go to patreon.com slash cu podcast and you can leave a message with that special handy-dandy number If you sign on And you can uh, you can leave a message for us to listen to and answer So this is our first time trying this So bear with me a second as I hook up this phone Yes, this is called the telephone This will be gone in, in like 20 years We're <laughs> going to have implants in our heads We just constantly tweet out stuff But uh, let me go Let me let me uh, dial in here and we can answer uh, a few things Ready, Ian? Let's um, see if this works I'm This will ready. be funny Ready? Mm-hmm.
1: Hey Ian and Beth, Thank you so much for posting the podcast
0: uh, the question I have, nothing too big. Uh, um, would, uh, would, do you think, Ian, do you think Pat would be good to work at Luna?
1: <laughs> uh, thanks. <laughs> do I think Pat would be good to work at Luna? Um, I believe Pat would be a very hard worker. Um, uh, he a not and I think Pat would be pretty fair with customers on trade-ins. Mm-hmm. And oh, I'm waiting a big butt. <laughs> I think he would. I think he would be pretty pleasant, you know, with with with, with people. Hey, think I'm not. In. I'm not. I mean, I look around his his condo a lot, though. I'm really not sure he's got the organizational standards that I need. <laughs> Touche, Ian. <laughs> so,
0: pal is waiting hey, for the butt. Let's put that's this way. the butt. Let's put it this way, though. <laughs> to be fair, and thanks for the question, uh, you didn't leave your name. Uh, you should leave the name in the future. Um, your store, in terms of space for stuff, I have more stuff per space than your store. <laughs> so, I mean, let's be honest about that. I have more NES games than your store does right now. I still have doubts. Know, you know what I mean? Like So... <laughs> I could organize <laughs> NES games on a fucking shelf, Ian. I could do that. Don't that's about
1: all you've shown you're, me
0: you're, or anyone else. You're imputing my integrity now. About, <laughs> I, could, I could sell those TurboGrafx games that you can. Not, I could talk off the system. I yeah, I can too, dumbass. The, hey, it's not it's about me. <laughs> um, <laughs> I think a certain collection video from a few years ago might prove my point. Five years ago, and people are demanding an update, I think. <laughs> yeah, well, no, I'm not filming, filming uh, it. Well, let's put it this way. <laughs> I'd be good with like ninety five percent of people, but if that, well, then again, you also yell at the counter for people and say, "Get the hell out."
1: Yeah, I think I would actually. Oh no, I'm allowing that in in in
0: in you. Oh sure, you're allowed to do that. I think I'd be more people. subtle and just offer them a, like a dollar, and, and then, it, or if not, I would just pretend to drop it and step on the, the counterfeit and say, "Oh, whoops, I broke your game." Certain people, you, know? you
1: give them an inch, they take a mile. Man, You just gotta tell them the fuck off and leave. So you don't think I can do that? I, How? I said you could. How- I said, My only concern is your organizational standards.
0: How long in the training process would we go without us coming to blows? How long would that take you think between us yelling at each other? well, that's or- a problem. <laughs>
1: We'd, we'd probably have to go out back and shed blood a few times before the packing
0: order. Well, one of those certain. fights where we're just like, we're both like on our grid. All right, okay, all right, right okay, okay. okay. We're both all right, both. we slugged it right, right. Oh, it's a truce. We, right, yeah, truce, truce. 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 Okay. <laughs> it, it, it wouldn't even be over something even, it'd be like how we organize the Saturn games correctly. Oh, it would plane. be very minimal. It'd be like, you know what, I think you could move 20% more Saturn games if you didn't stack them horizontally instead of vertically. You'd be like, Pat... It's not a big deal. Pat, we we're do? going
1: out back. <laughs> either that or it would be over
0: lunch. <laughs> it would be over no, I mean, lunch. <laughs> well, we do have disagreements on quality of burritos at points. <laughs> yeah, we do. All right. Uh, next next question. <laughs> that was good. Fellas, this is your boy, That Ass, is my boss from sunny and hot Orlando, Florida. Keeping it in line with the 100 theme, uh, if you were asked to live 100 extra years but could only play one game that entire time, what would it be and why? Happy hundred episodes, you guys are awesome. Keep it real as always. Peace. Thanks, uh that also that asked my boss. We Um so one game for a hundred years. Um what, what, do you, what do you think? I'm actually
1: gonna deviate from my usual favorite video game, Norm, um which would be DuckTales, uh, and say that I would probably
0: have to have replay value.
1: Fox yeah, it would have to have replay value Absolutely. and I would probably go with something um like uh net uh okay. which are huge roguelikes. Um or uh you know something like Diablo, uh something that's procedurally generated so you can um, come back to it. Randomized sure. so that I could always go back to it. Um yeah, I would definitely go with 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 something like that. Yeah, I think
0: I'd probably say honestly, I haven't played it yet, but the latest Civilization. If it's in, oh yeah, Civ Six, look, absolutely, yeah. that's a great uh, choice. I mean, hell, Civilization Two took up an entire summer of my life in high school, like yeah. an entire summer. Civ Six or
1: like uh, I know I I know people will argue over the numbers, so I'm just gonna say Diablo as a whole <laughs> as a franchise. I would say Civilization or Diablo franchises would be great. I would be great choices. And
0: honestly, oh my, oh the volume was low on my phone. Sorry. And honestly, um, if you want to get technical, if you play like Civilization, you have some connection to humanity again. Like, you can talk to your advisors, and yeah. you can see, you can, you can remember that outside of this little island, there's a world out there that's doing well. You know what I mean? Like, I'm just being literal, though. But you don't, you see what I'm saying, though? Yeah, no, I, I actually agree with you. So, um, yeah, I mean... The beauty of Civilization is, yes, it's strategic, it's nice, but yes, you can see us come from the caves, and then we build, you know, wonders of the world, and everything's great. And yeah.
1: So, yeah, NetHack slash Slashem, um, uh, Diablo, or, or, or Civ, I think, would be great choices.
0: Okay. Hey, one time listener, first-time caller. Uh, hey, Pat, uh, do you have a statement for sale? My <laughs> uncle bought me one when I was a kid and lost it. Um, no, no, I do not have a statement event for sale. Boy, that voice sounded familiar. No, I don't. But, uh, Ian, do you have a stand <laughs> No, unfortunately, I don't. <laughs> so if you want to leave a message like that or a question, go to uh, patreon.com slash podcast, and we have a nice tier for you if you want to be able to leave us a question or comment. And if we like it enough and it's not rude, we will play it on the air. Um, so Ian, that's our hundredth episode. Was, I made it through the whole fucking thing. And if you want, I can buy you a taco. It's Taco Tuesday. No, I'm going home. Oh, fuck me then. God, you know what? We have not gone out for tacos together since, I think, before the podcast. And I swear to God, it's been like three years. <laughs> not, four years. Yes, it has. I will make I mean, a, just one-on-one date. I will make a dinner date with you sometime this week. Fucking, it. Okay i'll hold you to that
1: i have wednesday thursday and friday off all right well, thursday i'm getting high and watching the call well, me testifi- te- uh, test- t- testify <laughs>
0: The call me testimony that'd be great That's, yeah yeah the podcast going a new direction just uh, politics going forward
1: yeah uh, 100th episode it's just pat and i hard politics
0: the CU trump cast is yeah. going going forward <laughs> um so uh yeah, yeah we had a great time guys we're on patreon patreon.com slash CU podcast uh Sale going on right now. 10% off all podcast pins, t-shirts, and a certain NES guidebook. Put it up there. Use code Podcast and go to UltimateNES.com. And that'll save you 10%. Um, thanks again to Mike and John of CFOs for yes. providing an awesome theme. That'll be up on iTunes eventually. So you can, uh, you know, kick them a dollar or whatever they want to charge for that. And there'll be a couple of different versions. We'll just say there's going to be an ad lib version as well. That'll be entertaining. That Ian's smirking at me for, <laughs> and then um, um, I will be at a certain uh, event at the end of the month. Mm. that I'm not going to mention right now, but uh, check it out. That's too many games. I'll be there. I'll be I like won't. It. Ian won't be there. That's why I didn't want to bring it up. Sorry, Ian. Uh, I definitely talk. I owe all your taco. Uh, The Ian's looking right through me right now. No, Um, but Ian will be at uh, with me at will be at Game On Expo in August. Yes, wait to book that flight. I'm actually looking forward to that.
1: It's uh, I've been invited out to it three years in a row, and I I actually get to go to and
0: and we're being the first guests that are invited back to Portland, so we'll be back at Portland. Um, So for Ian Ferguson, I am Pat Contry. We will see you for another hundred episodes or my death, whichever happens first. First, that's a a little little dark or mine. Now you're gonna get better. You can put a bundle of nerves. This is a the jar. This is the most you did on the podcast in like eight months. Yeah, well that's because I'm <laughs> fucked up. Well that's how you should beat every podcast then. <laughs> What's wrong with that? You, you were fucked up on alcohol for half of them. What's the difference? <sighs> yeah, fair. All Love right. you all. Bye. <laughs>